I lived in Oakdale, and I was part of the Oakdale Advisory Committee. The area right on top of the map. We were all going to have an hallway. We had the city on a stake. The developer wanted to get it. No. It's very tough in the past. Good afternoon. I call to order the Lake Havasu City Council regular meeting on Tuesday, October 24th, 2023 at 5.30 p.m. We'll now have an invocation from Stephanie Luares from Christ Chapel, followed by the Pledge of Allegiance led by American Medical Response AMR. Good evening. Let's bow our heads. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, as we gather together this evening as a community, may we listen with listening ears and speak with words of wisdom and understanding for one another. Regardless of which side of the platform we're on, we're all in this together for the, the betterment of our community, for this amazing place that we live. I ask, Lord, that you continue to be with us, to be with our leadership, Give them the wisdom and discernment they need to make the decisions that influence our community in the best way. Father, please look over our first responders, our military, and be with Israel at this time. And we pray this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Good evening, and uh, welcome uh, to our council meeting. If you'd like to share a little bit about AMR, then we'll do a special presentation afterwards. Uh, good evening, council and uh, honorable mayor. My name is Jeff Skinner. I'm Associate Supervisor with River Medical. Um, River Medical has been in Lake Havasu for the last 32 years. Um, our dedicated team of paramedics and EMTs um, have served diligently throughout that time. Tonight I would like to highlight the dedication of one of our own. Uh, paramedic William Bill Weber is the embodiment of what great paramedics strive to be because of his tenacity and unwavering support for the community uh, because of uh, support of the community because of I'm terrible at public speaking. <laughs> You're doing great. Yeah. Uh, because of his tenacity and unwavering support for his community, has earned the Star of Life Award from the American Ambulance Association. Late in November of last year, while returning from a patient transfer, Bill noticed a glow in the community of Desert Hills that he knew shouldn't be there. Being a former firefighter, he knew he had to go to, and investigate. Um, on his arrival, uh, him and his partner found it that multiple vehicles were on fire and it was starting to encroach on a structure right as the fire department was being toned out for the call. Bill knew, being a former firefighter, that he had little time to act um, after bystanders had told him that there were still multiple residents in the structure. Um, he raced in and ultimately was able to evacuate four um, individuals, two of which were elderly, that he had to carry out, um, saving all four of their lives. Um, it, the truly honorable feat Humble Bill just shrugged it off as doing his own job. Um, Bill joins an elite group of EMS professionals that have been recognized for the outstanding performance and dedication to the community's health and well-being. 
Uh, Bill also holds the unique title of being of one of only three River Medical EMS professionals to have won this award. Um, he will be presented with the award uh, at the Stars of Life ceremony in Washington, D.C. in November, where he also has the opportunity to speak to congressional leaders about topics that directly affect the EMS community. Congratulations, Bill, on a job well done. Bill, if you'd like to join me uh, up front, and uh, Mr. Skinner uh, as well. So in order, uh, in a way to help commemorate and recognize Bill for his work uh, in Lake Havasu City and saving these lives, we are naming today as William Weber Day, October 24, 2023, by proclamation. Whereas... The American Ambulance Association, or AAA, is the national trade organization for the medical transportation industry in the United States, with several hundred ambulance services of all forms, private and public, employing several hundred thousand paramedics and emergency medical technicians, and whereas AAA has recognized outstanding paramedics and EMTs through their annual Star of Life program since 1982, only 120 EMTs and paramedics nationwide have earned the Star of Life award. And whereas, this year, one of our very own from Lake Havasu City, paramedic William Weber earned the Star of Life Award, the nation's most prestigious recognition for frontline ambulance personnel. And whereas William Weber is a paramedic at River Medical, our local ambulance service, which is part of American Medical Response, AMR, the nation's largest provider of medical transportation, employing more than 18,500 people in 42 states in the District of Columbia. Bill Weber joins an elite group within the company and the ambulance industry to earn this award. And whereas Bill was recommended by his peers and the management team at AMR for this year's Star of Life Award for his exemplary service to his patients and the community, particularly for his consistency in providing high-quality patient care strongly infused with compassion. And whereas Bill Weber will travel to Washington, D.C. in November to receive the Star of Life Award to meet members of the Arizona Congressional Delegation and to tour the city. And whereas, on behalf of Lake Havasu City, we congratulate and commend paramedic William Weber for earning the National Star of Life 2023 award and commend him for exhibiting superior performance and going above and beyond the call of duty for service within our community. Now, therefore, I, Cal Sheehy, the mayor of Lake Havasu City, Arizona, do hereby proclaim October 24th, 2023 as William Bill Weber Day in Lake Havasu City. And I urge all citizens to join me in expressing our appreciation to him for his model service as an EMS professional in our jurisdiction, a job that frequently involves unselfishly facing personal risk while treating and transporting injured and acutely ill patients. Congratulations, Bill. Thank you for your service. Yeah, Bill's parents, uh, I understand, might be here. Yes. Or if you could uh, make your way uh, up front as well. Oh, there it is. Perfect. Yeah, right here. Hi. I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, it's so good to see you. Yes. Yeah. Hi there. Hi. Yeah, great to meet you. Yeah.
Thank you, and again, congratulations, uh, Mr. Weber. Uh, next item on our agenda is the roll call. Ms. Williams, if you please call the roll. Council members Nancy Campbell. Here. Michelle Lynn. Here. Cameron Moses. Here. Jenny Koch. Here. Jim Dolan. Here. Vice Mayor David Lane. Here. Mayor Kalshihi. Here. Thank you. Thank you. Item five is our consent agenda. Would any of the council members like to remove any of the items for separate discussion? Mayor. Councilmember Koch. Motion. Please. Move to approve the consent agenda as presented. Second. We have a motion from Councilmember Koch and we have a second from Councilmember Dolan. Is there any additional discussion? Seeing none, we're ready to vote. Motion carries seven to zero. Thank you. Item six is correspondence, communications, petitions, announcements, and the city manager report. Item 6.1 is the investment report as of September 30th, 2023. Uh, Ms. Olson has included this in our packet and it is available on our website uh, for uh, filing. Item 6.2 is to announce vacancies on Lake Havasu City Boards, Committees, and Commissions. Ms. Williams? Mayor and City Council, there are several vacancies on Lake Havasu City Boards, Committees, and Commissions. The following is a listing of those vacancies. Airport Advisory Board, one alternate pilot member, Board of Adjustment, two regular members and two alternate members, and the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board, one student member. Anyone interested can pick up a packet at City Hall, and they are also available on the city's website at lhcaz.gov. Thank you. Thank you. Item 6.3 is our city manager's report. Good evening, Mr. Knudsen. Hi, good evening, Mayor. Uh, good evening, Council. Uh, another, we have a retirement to, uh, to announce. So bad for Havasu, uh, good for uh, Mr. Paul Ledger. Uh, Paul Ledger was hired as a police service assistant trainee in 2013, and he was promoted to a police service assistant in 2014. And in 2015, he was promoted to detention officer, where he continues to serve until his retirement date at the end of this month on October 31st. So congratulations to you, Paul. Please enjoy your retirement. Uh, Lake Havasu City would like to thank uh, Arizona Game and Fish Department for donating stand-up paddle boards to assist with our Parks and Recreation paddle safety classes. The participation from the community was fantastic. And for those that may have missed out on this activity, please stay tuned because we'll offer more classes uh, this, uh, in the next few months in the, in the springtime. Mayor, you attended the uh, statewide Rural Transportation Summit with Councilmember Nancy Campbell. And uh, you were accompanied with uh, Justin Humbery and Sarah Lojewski from Lake Havasu Metropolitan Planning Organization. Uh, we, you represented Lake Havasu City well and uh, talked about road conditions in the area. Lake Havasu City hosted an Arizona Town Hall for community leaders. Mayor Cal Sheehy facilitated uh, the event with Vice Mayor David Lane and Council Members Michelle Lynn and Jenny Koch also participating. Uh, participants at the uh, town hall focused on discussions around having access to resources in rural Arizona, including health care for all Arizonians. On behalf of Mayor Sheehy, Vice Mayor David Lane, Council Members Nancy Campbell, Michelle Lynn, and Jenny Koch presented a proclamation at Haven's annual walk for domestic violence awareness. And Mayor Sheehy attended the Faith and Grace's domestic violence awareness event and presented a proclamation uh, to them. Uh, Vice Mayor David Lane, you attended the 50th anniversary celebration event of St. Michael's United Methodist Church and presented a key to the city on behalf of Mayor Sheehy. And uh, Mayor, uh, you attended the uh, museum's exhibit of the sunken treasure called Miller's Folly. I had no idea about this history, which is a lot of fun. Uh, the plaque was dated from 1968 to 1978 and reads, 
that Miller's Folly was the ultimate Havasu party boat for countless early families and friends and associates of the Miller. Uh, it was built by Cy and his son, uh, close friend James Schulte and others that used mostly donated materials, junk, and spare parts. Uh, there was no working plans, and it took 53 days to build the, uh, the, the, the boat. Uh, the Folly was launched at Site 6 on August 24th, 1968, and it looks like it lasted about 10 years. And then uh, Mayor Sheehy and Councilmember Cameron Moses attended the Veterans Resources Team Stand Down. The Stand Down affords the opportunity for veterans in Lake Havasu City to renew their spirit, their health, and overall sense, sense of well-being by, by visiting with agencies there to assist them with, with resources to help rebuild their lives. In the photo, along with uh, Judge Mitchell Kalali and, and uh, you, Mayor Sheehy, is retired Army Lieutenant Colonel Dana Almond, uh, who is a cabinet executive officer and deputy director of Arizona Department of Veteran Services. And uh, lastly, Mayor Sheehy pre presented a proclamation to Hospice of Havasu, uh, proclaiming the month of November as National Hospice and Care Month. Uh, events are now well underway in Lake Havasu City, including our talent show, which will be scheduled for this Thursday, October 26th. That'll take place at 6 p.m. at the stage under the bridge. Uh, please bring a, a chair and enjoy the free show. Uh, the fourth and final concert in the park is scheduled at, uh, to be, take place at Lennon Bridge Beach Park this Friday. It'll start at uh, 6 p.m. Uh, please bring a blanket or a chair and enjoy some great music and wonderful weather. And uh, this Saturday, lots happening again. Uh, beginning at 10 a.m. is the Lennon Bridge Days Parade. It'll take place on McCulloch, of course. And in the, that afternoon from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Rotary Park is our fall fun fair. Uh, there'll be games, food, booths, and fun for the entire family. And a friendly, friendly reminder as uh, Halloween approaches, uh, please be vil vil uh, vigilant. <laughs> please be vigilant when driving this weekend through Halloween night and with all the events happening around town in, in high pedestrian traffic areas. Uh, decreased speeds and increased awareness are encouraged for the safety of all those participating to ensure that everyone has a safe and happy Halloween experience. And with that, Mayor, that concludes my report. Thank you, Mr. Thank Knudsen. You. All right, we'll move on to item seven, which is our uh, public hearings. Uh, during each of the public hearings, there will be uh, an opportunity for public comment. Um, if you would like to do that, I'll open the public hearing uh, for citizens to come up and uh, speak. You'll make your way up to the podium. There is a light indicator box next to Ms. Williams. Uh, green means you have time. Yellow means you have one minute remaining. And red means that your time is up. We do ask if you have any comments uh, during any of our public hearings this evening that you address directly to the council. Uh, be respectful of uh, each other and uh, the comments that you're making. But again, you'll make those comments directly uh, to the council. If you're here for one of the public hearings, we encourage you to speak during that, that time because at the end of the meeting, we will have a call to the public. That will be an opportunity for citizens to address the council on anything that's not on the agenda, but we can't have a two-way conversation at that point. We can just listen intently uh, to whatever comments that you may have. Uh, we'll start with uh, the first item on our agenda, which is item 7.1, which is a Series 7 beer and wine liquor license for Star Cinemas at 5601 Highway 95 North, Building 1. Ms. Williams. Mayor and City Council, Andrea Lukowitz has applied for a Series 7 beer and wine liquor license for Star Cinemas located at 5601 Highway 95 North, Building 1. All posting requirements have been met, all fees have been paid, and no objections were received. The location is properly zoned for a Series 7 liquor license. I'm happy to answer any questions, and the applicant is also in attendance tonight to answer any questions from the Council. Thank you, Ms. Williams. Are there any questions from members of the Council for Ms. Williams on this item? 
All right, this is a public hearing. Would anyone like to address the City Council on this item? Seeing none, we'll close the public hearing, bring it back to Council for discussion or possible motion. Mayor? Yeah, Councilmember Dolan. Motion. Please. I move to recommend that the Arizona Department of Liquor License and Control approve a Series 7 beer and wine liquor license for Star Cinemas, 5601 Highway 95 North, Building Number 1. I'll second. We have a motion from Councilmember Dolan. We have a second from Councilmember Moses. Is there any additional discussion? Seeing none, we're ready to vote. Motion carries seven to zero. Thank you. Item 7.2 is a series 12 restaurant liquor license for Magic Bistro and Milkshakes at 1960 Mesquite Avenue, Suite B. Ms. Williams. Thank you, Mayor and City Council. Stephanie Donaldson has applied for a series 12 restaurant liquor license for Magic Bistro and Milkshakes located at 1960 Mesquite Avenue, Suite B. All posting requirements have been met, all fees have been paid, and no objections were received. The location is properly zoned for a Series 12 liquor license. Happy to answer any questions. And again, the applicant is also in attendance tonight to answer any questions. Thank you. Are there any questions from members of the council for Ms. Williams? All right, this is a public hearing. Would anyone like to address the city council on this item? All right, seeing none, we'll close the public hearing, bring it back to council for discussion or possible motion. Mayor. Councilmember Moses? Yeah, I move to recommend that the Arizona Department of Liquor Licenses and Control approve a Series 12 restaurant liquor license for Magic Bistro and Milkshakes, 1960 Mesquite Avenue, Suite B. Second. We have a motion from Councilmember Moses, and we have a second from Councilmember Campbell. Is there any additional discussion? Seeing none, we're ready to vote. Motion carries seven to zero. Thank you. Item 7.3 is adopt resolution number 23-3712, appointing members to the Lake Havasu City Airport Advisory Board. Ms. Williams. Mayor and City Council, the city received one application requesting consideration for appointment to the Airport Advisory Board. This appointment is needed to fill the vacancy of one alternate pilot member vacancy that's been announced. The application review panel conducted interviews for the Airport Advisory Board on October 17th and recommends that Randy Peterson be appointed as an alternate pilot member with a term ending June 30th, 2026. I'm happy to answer any questions. The applicants, um, the application is in your packet and he is also available today to answer any questions from the council. Thank you, Ms. Williams. Yeah, Mr. Peterson, if you uh, wouldn't mind coming up to the podium just to say hello. So uh, I know I was on the interview panel, but uh, the rest of my colleagues in council can put a face with a name. Evening, everybody. Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Council members. If you would just want to tell us a little bit why, uh, about why you want to uh, serve on the airport advisory board. I got 40 years plus of uh, pilot and uh, flight crew uh, um, experience. Hopefully be able to tap into some of the gray matter in there. Something stayed between the ears and uh, make the airport better and a better place for everybody to fly in and out of and for the city to use. Excellent. Yeah, well, thank you so yeah. much for uh, submitting an application. Our community is a strong and vibrant community because citizens like yourself uh, stand up and uh, apply for the positions that we have available. Okay. So thank okay. you. Okay. Are there any uh, questions for any members thank of the you. council for the applicant or Ms. Williams? Thank you. Thank sir. you. <laughs> All right, this is a public hearing. Would anyone like to address the city council on this item? 
Seeing none, we'll go ahead and close the public hearing, bring it back to council for discussion and possible motion. Mayor, question. Yeah, Councilmember Campbell. On these interviews moving forward, is anybody, any of us council members allowed to be in the interview room? No, uh, we changed the um, the process, she's uh, about, was it about a year ago, Ms. Williams? Maybe about, a year and a yeah, half Yeah, about a year ago, a year and a half. Yeah, so the process is that um, the uh, mayor is on the committee, or on the interview panel, the council liaison for the particular board, um, and then the staff uh, liaison for the division. So, uh, for example, in this case, it was the public works director standing in for the airport manager, uh, myself and Councilmember Dolan as the airport advisory uh, board member. Okay, just looking forward, I'm... I wish that we more of us could be a part of the interview process so that I can actually get to see. It seems like we're kind of just, you guys are nominating and picking, and I, I just feel like I'd love to be more in part of the process somehow in the future. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Any additional comments or questions? Councilmember Moses? Yeah, I move to adopt resolution number 23-3712, appointing in a, as an alternate pilot member to the Lake Havasu City Airport Advisory Board with a term ending on June 30th, 2026. Second. We have a motion from Councilmember Moses and a second from Councilmember Koch. Is there any additional discussion? All right, we're ready to vote. Motion carries seven to zero. Thank you and congratulations. Item 7.4 is award construction contract for the Site 6 boat ramp replacement project to Kinney Construction LLC. Mr. Wolf. Good evening, Mayor and Council. Um, tonight, as uh, we're, we've progressed to contract award, this is for the Site 6 launch ramp replacement project. Um, uh, the improvement scope uh, that uh, should be uh, knowledge to all of you by now, we've authorized engineering and various steps along the way. It includes replacing the existing ramp, about 21, 22% to a 14% grade now, much, um, much easier for trucks and boats to get in and out of this ramp facility. Um, it also includes replacement of the seawall. In the lower picture there, you see how uh, it's been uh, used, um, and we're going to put a rail on that um, uh, wall also. Uh, as a part of the project, as we're looking at uh, getting ready to go out to bid, we did work with parks uh, to look at alternate uh, and extended improvements should they be um, uh, priced properly. Uh, we did get good pricing on it, uh, but it re involves replacement of the uh, whole access loop around and the approach up to the ramp itself uh, with concrete paving. Uh, and it's going to have additional signage and some pedestrian fence. Um, if you look at the lower photo, you'll see that slope, and we want to make sure and, and have that fence up there so that we keep people off that slope. Um, this this particular uh, design included uh, requirements for a coffer dam, and I don't know if any of you know um, much about them, but there's a picture here where it's basically a large water bladder that is uh, the area of work is pumped out and into the bladder, actually, um, so that we can uh, do work on the site in a dry condition. This. This method also provides a, we're allowed a temporary impact to the waterway 
uh, by the Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, but this particular type uh, actually minimizes the risk for an endangered species, what they classify as a take, where fish or the endangered species are actually um, um, uh, passed away uh, because of the work. They're um, no longer alive, and that's considered more or less a take depending on conditions. So we're minimizing that risk. You can understand if we have a bladder there, those fish can't get into the work area, so we've created a temporary impact or barrier. The nationwide permit that's issued by the Corps and coordinated with the Bureau of Reclamation, or, yes, um, allows for work during the low water levels as long as there is no take for the endangered species. So we have a specific period we can be in the water doing the work and that's been a little bit of the push to get this to the, uh, you, you tonight. Um, there is, and, and I apologize if it's small, in the bottom there, there's a form that we're required to file with the Corps of Engineers. It's a 10-day notification uh, before in-water work. It's going to work coincide right along with the contract to the contractor, so timing is um, important. As far as the numbers, um, the engineer's estimate uh, originally, uh, as we applied for the grant, was the 1.217 million. Um, the low bid uh, for the base bid plus the additive alternate, which was that extra work that we added, is 1.174 million, um, uh, less than originally estimated. And um, our grants division was very successful, and, and I think Vigette is in the audience tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, thank her a lot for this funding and the consistent getting responses that we needed. But right now, there's the $800,000 SLIF uh, State Lake Improvement Fund grant. Uh, and then AZ Parks and Trails came back. They liked the project. Uh, they like Lake Havasu, of course, and uh, they, we now have a grant pending for what was going to be our match plus some. So with, with that uh, outline, uh, our award recommendation, much like what you have in your uh, council packet, the base bid plus force account and the additive alternate for Site 6 boat launch ramp project be awarded to contract uh, 500411 to Kinney Construction, LLC in the amount of 1.174042 and authorize the city manager in this case to execute the contract. Like to make mention here early as possible. Um, project schedule requires a ramp closure as soon as uh, November 15th and that ramp is going to be closed through March 1 is our best estimate. So early notification and, and work with Anthony uh, to make sure we have uh, public notification proper. Uh, the in-water work is the portion of the project that's permit se sensitive uh, to the recorded low water season for the lake. So we want to get in and get the in-water work done as soon as possible, thereby leaving all that above water work uh, could, could stretch out. But it would still be done during the closure of the ramp, I might add. So with that, um, I'm going to open it up for any questions that council uh, may have for the project. 
Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Yeah, this is a, a really exciting project and even more exciting that it's paid for with grant dollars and not having to use uh, local dollars. So uh, thank you, Bajet and, and uh, Arizona State Parks for uh, that opportunity. Uh, uh, Site 6 is an area that is used so widely by so many people, and this is going to be a great enhancement. Are there questions or comments from members of the council for Mr. Wolf? Uh, Councilmember Moses? Mayor, yeah. On, on the bid tabulation, the add all three for 250,000, uh, what is the PCCP? Did you cover that? I'm not putting those letters and words together. You guys use too many letters yeah. <laughs> in government. Um, I can appreciate that, yes. Um, actually, the, the one that was uploaded for your uh, review, uh, it says add Alt-1, Alt-2, <clears throat> Alt-3. Those are actually all combined as a single additive alternate not a choice between the three. They're all combined, right. but we did have separate items in there. The uh, removals, for example, demolition. Okay. The uh, fence is pretty clear. And then the PCCP, I'm sorry, uh, that's, that's Portland Cement Concrete Pavement. Okay. And so that's the square yardage of concrete pavement we estimate to be replaced around the loop of the actual ramp itself. Okay, great. Are there any additional questions or comments? All right, this is a public hearing. Would anyone like to address the City Council on this item? Yeah, please just make your way to the podium and state your name for the record. Uh, my name is Miliano Torres. I'm a resident here. Uh, just a question on the ramp. Is the in-water portion of the ramp going to be lengthened? I've used that ramp in the past, and there's a drop-off. That's what makes it difficult to use. If your trailer is past that dip, with the concrete ends, you have a mismatch between the two, the vehicle and the trailer. So I, I'm hoping that we've lengthened the in-water portion. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And Mr. Wolf? Absolutely. Yes. Um, we, we noted that in our topography that that seemed to be the hang-up, so to speak. Uh, and um, so, yes, the ramp, because we're going to a flatter grade, we are a little further out in the water, and we will address that. Uh, what is a prop wash, actually, at the, end of the at the end of the ramp is what caused that, and then trailers started dropping off in it. So, yeah. Thank you. Good evening. Frankie Lyons, longtime resident here. Um, concerning the boat ramp, are you guys going to still leave the railing up so we can enjoy the entertainment down there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, thank you for the comment. We'll continue to close it off uh, on holiday weekends as to not interrupt the, the flow of traffic down there. Uh, yeah. Would anyone else like to address the council on this item? All right. Seeing none, we'll close the public hearing and bring it back to council for discussion or possible motion. Mayor. Councilmember Dolan. Motion. Please. I move to award the construction contract for Site 6 boat ramp replacement to Kinney Construction, LLC, in the amount of $1,174,042 and authorize the city manager to execute the contract on behalf of the city. Second. We have a motion from Councilmember Dolan and a second from Vice Mayor Lane. Is there any additional discussion? Seeing none, we're ready to vote. Motion carries seven to zero. Thank you. Item 7.5 is adopt ordinance number 23-1320, amending the zoning classification and district boundary for 1695 Deer Run Drive, APN 115-05-046, 
meets and bounds from Agriculture Preservation, AP District, to Residential Single Family, R1 District. Mr. Kearns. Thank you, Mayor. Council. Subject property measures 0.33 acres and is currently vacant. It is located on the west end of Deer Run Drive, west of Cabana Drive. The properties to the west and south are zoned Lake Havasu Memorial Gardens and are zoned Agricultural Preservation and developed with a cemetery. The properties to the east are zoned Residential Single Family and are developed into single family homes. The lots to the north are zoned Multiple Family Plan Development and are developed into single family homes. The future land use map of the general plan designates this area as low density residential. The proposed zoning classification is in conformance with the general plan land use map. The citizens meeting was held on July 22, 2023. The applicant's citizens meeting letter states that a desire to rezone the property from agricultural preservation to, R1, to residential single family to build a single family home. The applicant's letter of intent states that they intend to build a single story, 2,400 square foot single family home with an attached RV garage and a pool. The regular R, uh, single family development, the regular single family zone standards will apply to development. The Planning Commission voted 7 to 0 to recommend approval at their September 20th meeting. This concludes staff's presentation. I'm open for, are available for any questions and the applicant is also available. Thank you. Do any members of the council have any questions for Mr. Kearns or for the applicant? All right, this is a public hearing. Would anyone like to address the city council on this item? Seeing none, we'll close the public hearing, bring it back to council. Uh, Mr. Kearns, do you know there, there's a fence out there um, as you go into the cemetery? Is this uh, before the fence or is this actually in the cemetery? So it's at the very end of Deer Run Drive. So I'm not sure exactly where the fence is, but the cemetery property starts where you see my cursor. Um, so it's private property along here, this road. Um, the entrance would be right here on Deer Run. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Are there any other questions or comments from members of the council? Motion. Motion. I move to adopt ordinance number 23-1320 amending the zoning classification and district boundary for 1695 Deer Run Drive, APN number 115-05-046, meets and bounds from Agricultural Preservation District to, sing to Residential Single Family District. Second. We have a motion from Councilmember Koch and a second from Councilmember Campbell. Is there any additional discussion? Seeing now, we're ready to vote. Motion carries seven to zero. Thank you. Item 7.6 is adopt ordinance number 23-1321, approving a planned development rezone of 740, 730, 720, 710, 700, and 670 Delta Drive and 681, 691, and 701 McCulloch Boulevard South, track 2222, block 5, lots 1 through 9, from limited commercial C1 district to multifamily plan development district, allowing a maximum density increase from 20 dwelling units per acre to 37.1 dwelling units per acre. Mr. Gilbert. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, good evening, Mayor, City Council, members of the public. Uh, I'm going to make a few comments before I go, go to the slides here. 
This is a rezone request, so there, we don't have detailed uh, engineering or plans that came out in the Planning Commission. Um, uh, because it's a rezone request, the detailed drawings would be done if this were to be approved. Um, the Planning Commission reviewed this on uh, September 20th and approved, recommended approval of this project four votes to three. Um, it's important to note that this has, was before the City Council on February 14th of this year, uh, the first time, at which time the uh, general plan land use category was amended to high density residential, but the Council took no action on the rezone request. So what you're seeing before you tonight is a refiling of the rezone request where some of the conditions have changed from the original plan they submitted back in February. Um, the Planning Commission took about two hours of testimony uh, last week and uh, there was quite, ex or I'm sorry, on September 20th there was quite extensive comment. So let me advise, uh, move forward with the slides here. Subject properties, again, are nine lots located at McCulloch Boulevard and uh, Chemwavy Boulevard, approximately near that corner, and Delta Drive. Uh, advance one more slide. This is a closer in detail of the property. Uh, it's important to note, if you can follow my mouse here, that this location is the high point of the front of the property, and that establishes the maximum grade, which for this project is 42 feet. Uh, based on if the rezone were to be approved. Based on the current zoning of C1, that's five feet less or 37 feet, and that'll be important later. I just wanted to point that out. Um, advancing one more slide. Current zoning of the property is C1, which is limited commercial. The property, and let's see here, go back to the area. Do I have an aerial? Here we go. Um, this property has been the subject property and the property to the southeast of it, directly at the corner of Chemboavia and McCulloch, with the exception of the dog groomer that's presently there, has been vacant for many, many years. And commercial clearly does not appear to be a very, this does not appear to be a very attractive location for that type of development. So let me advance it one more slide. The project proposed here is 78 unit, three story, apartment complex, and this is kind of a, a general layout on, as it would fit on the lot. Uh, one of the revisions that they made, actually several revisions, I'll go over those, they cut the number of units by approximately 10%, they increased the parking, and they eliminated all the exceptions that they're looking for from the first time with the exception of unit density. That's the only exception that they're continuing to request and that is uh, being requested at 37.1 units per acre when the actual density from what the concept plan shows is 36.1. So that gives them a, a one unit per acre leeway in their ultimate final design. So I'm gonna advise, or advance it one more slide. Uh, this is an artist's conception of the property. And again, this was a big debate at Planning Commission that this the artist concept drawing doesn't show the, the true appearance depending where you're at around the building. And that is true because the grade changes dramatically from McCulloch to the uh, southwest part of Delta Drive. Advancing one more slide, and I'll use my mouse to point out again, uh, the grade's really high here. At this point, it's the high point. It establishes the 42-foot uh, max grade. 
and it drops off dramatically down to here. So the view here is going to be different from the view here or here. Um, also important to note that the minimum setback of the proposed building from all property lines, uh, except on the back to the alley, which abuts the C1, is 50 feet on the northeast, the northwest, and on the southwest, minimum 50 feet from their own property lines. Then you have the roadway right away, and then you have the front yards, all the properties that would establish the actual distance from the building as uh, between the residential and the building itself. I want to go back to the zoning real quick, and I want to point out uh, traditional zoning, you, you use higher density residential as a buffer from single family. In many communities around the country, you don't have that because the way the, the nature that the community developed, it was uh, uh, more haphazard, and so you end up with sometimes with industrial next to single family residential, just because it was unavoidable during those years of development. Uh, Lake Havasu City developed differently as it was a master plan community, and so you have these opportunities here where traditional textbook type of zoning can occur, where you have C1, which is limited commercial, surrounded by a complete ring of R2 as a buffer, and then you have the single family beyond that. And typically, apartment zoning, in this case MH and C1, are very similar in, in impacts on surrounding properties, and it would be the, the same argument as with C1 for that. So let me advance again a few slides here. Building elevations. So previously when I mentioned that the uh, max grade is 42 feet, if you look at the south elevation, the, t the top drawing, there are parapet, uh, wall, parapet roofs uh, sections that come up above the main floor, or I'm sorry, main ceiling of the building. Uh, that main top of the building is at 36 feet, which is six feet below max grade, and also a foot below the max grade that would be permitted if this were a hotel, which would, is a permitted use in the C1 zone. It would not require any public hearings at all. Um, so essentially, this structure, if it were relabeled as a hotel and the parapet walls dropped, wouldn't even be here tonight for review. This would be in staff review for, for uh, design review approval. It's a very important point to that out. Um, again, the architectural embellishments to the property, the parapet walls, the stucco, the different colors, uh, are very attractive and, and go above and beyond what we would expect typically of an apartment complex. Um, advance one more slide. Okay, let me cover this slide here. Uh, this project is not unusual for Lake Havasu City. This screen provides a comparison of other complexes in town. The largest we have is 100 units, but it does not have the density what's being proposed here. However, these three apartment complexes, Casablanca Apartments with 84 units, the Commander Apartments with 23, and the Kenmore Apartments with 28 units, as shown here, the, these are the unit densities per acre, 39.6, 37.7, and 30.4, and the applicant's asking for um, uh, 36.1, well, 37.1, but in reality, 36.1. So it compares w with other units that the city already has. Um, let me take it back a couple of slides here. 
improvements. In your packets was included both the traffic study that was provided for the project and our public works department's recommended improvements. The applicant has provided a written statement to staff that they accept all of the public works department's uh, recommended improvements based on that traffic study that are containing your packet. So th that is something they're willing to do all of those. Um, there are two conditions of approval that, were, that are on the ordinance. One of those conditions is that any substantial change to this plan would have to come back through the plan review process. And the second one is that they would have to combine all the lots that you see here on block five. They would have to combine them in a single parcel and address the issues with easements on the property that would have to either be locate, relocated or abandoned. Uh, the property does have parking in common. Uh, it is within a identified parking in common area, but there was never a parking in common plan approved for this project. Uh, Mr. Mayor, I, I will turn this back over to you for any questions you or the council may have. All right, thank you, Mr. Gilbert. Uh, the um, applicant is here. Does the applicant want to make a, a presentation? Good evening, Mayor, City Council. Um, I'm not the applicant, however, Stuart Schmeling, and I've been asked here um, by the, the, own, the property owner, Mr. Drew, uh, to help address and explain some of the concerns that were raised at the Planning Commission as a result of the, of the presentation. Uh, so, Chris, if you could light up my PowerPoint presentation here. Uh, there's several slides in here that we'll just be able to roll through uh, since I didn't know what Chris's. Okay. Okay. We, you went through the history. We can go ahead and skip through that. Go ahead and next slide. Uh, this is the existing zoning. We can skip through that as well. Um, here's another, uh, Chris mentioned a, uh, a, a zoning tactic um, with multifamily buffering single family uses that we see throughout the community. Um, I chose to submit a, another one here. This is at the, it's a similar intersection at the intersection of Acoma um, and McCulloch. And you can see just to the bottom, the, the brown is the RM which is the, the high-density multifamily, and then it bleeds down into the R3, which is the little bit lower density, and you also see the yellow, which is, which is R2. So this is a tactic that um, has been used throughout the community, and I could provide other examples, but I figured I'd just show another sample. Uh, go ahead, change next slide. Um, as Chris indicated, this is the, uh, this is the track map, and the, the areas highlighted in yellow uh, the only thing I want to show is that those are, those are required to, at this point uh, through the plat restriction to be building areas or where a, a building would be. Um, and, the, and, and the other location in Lake Havasu City that, you can, uh, that, that is similar in nature to this uh, is the area down along London Bridge Road where you see buildings that have double frontages essentially. They have a frontage on London Bridge Road, but they also front, if you will, to the, to the main parking lot. Um, 
I, I have this slide in there because later I have a cross-section of this so you can kind of see since a lot of the concern or questions came with regard to the elevation changes. So uh, you want to go ahead and hit the next slide? Uh, this is our site plan. Chris already went over this, explained uh, we have a 70-foot setback off of McCulloch, a 77-foot set setback off of Delta. I, I believe it's 50 and change off of the, the long end of Delta. And I don't need to go over any more of that. We know the number, unit numbers, and the acreage and everything. Next slide. Next slide. Uh, this is just the site plan imposed over our, uh, an aerial photo. Uh, this is just to show you how it sits within the neighborhood where the houses are relative and, and the one lot that uh, Chris mentioned that's developed to the, to the bottom there. Um, go ahead, next slide. Uh, here's where a lot of the questions came. We did not uh, provide these cross sections at the Planning Commission, and it, and it seemed that a lot of the audience had a, had a difficult time trying to figure out how a 39 and a half foot building could be allowed in a zoning district that's only going to allow 30 feet. And so we, we added these cross sections, and the, the site plan is on the top, the top cross section. Um, shows the, the, the orange is the elevation as it changes from McCulloch on the right to uh, Delta on the left. And you can see there's, uh, there's definitely a drop. And what the, the, it also shows the elevation at McCulloch Boulevard, and I, I, I'm going to get to what importance that elevation plays. But basically, they're going to cut the site down about 12 feet and set that building down in at an elevation about 12 feet-ish below uh, the elevation of the McCulloch Boulevard right away. And then the, the, bot, uh, the architectural um, potential cross-section number three is that of the commercial buildings. If they were developed in that manner, that's the 100 foot of building with about 240 some odd feet in between for parking area and then the building up along. Um, and of course, Current zoning C1 only allows 25-foot building height, so there is a little bit difference. The, the, um, the RM allows 30, the C1 allows 25. So you can kind of see how there, there's still going to be some impact there, um, and depending on how they graded it, but at least that gives you an example of what a cross-section of the site would, would be right through the middle of it. Uh, next slide. All right. So um, what Chris was alluding to, uh, this is a, a topography map taken right off, of, uh, right off the city website. And I, I pointed out some of the, the critical elevations. The one at the very top, 1198, um, that is on the center line of McCulloch Boulevard. And that's important because that's the base elevation that's going to be established. And that's where staff is going to d use that number to uh, determine the max grade for the site. And so how that's calculated is they take the property corn. Well, let me, let me back up just a second. You can see that along McCulloch Boulevard from the 1198 down to the 1191, there's seven foot of, of fall just along McCulloch Boulevard. Uh, there's an additional, what, 14 foot of fall uh, along Delta. And of course, at the very bottom of the site at 1175, it's about, what, a 23 foot drop there. So the site has a lot of relief uh, to it, which makes it very difficult for a lot of people to, 
to see how that's going to play out on uh, two-dimensional. So the elevation in the center, the 1186, is the elevation where the pad is going to be established. Um, at, the re at the request of the applicant, they're going to uh, level that site out at 1186. You can see about two-thirds of the site is above that, which they'll obviously remove that fill, put in a retaining wall to the tune of about 12 feet along McCulloch Boulevard, and then use the remainder, remaining portion of that fill on the low, on the low side down at the uh, corner of the alley and, the, uh, and, and Delta. And next slide. So here's the architectural elevations that were presented at the planning commission meeting, and we, we doctored them up a little bit just so that it, it's easier to kind of see. Um, the, the top elevation, the south elevation, is if you're standing on the alley looking north at the, at the proposed building, the red line represents on the far right the elevation on McCulloch Boulevard, and on the far left the elevation down at the bottom near the intersection of Delta and the alley. So you can kind of see how much of that building is going to be above uh, the, the, the actual grade as it, as it changes throughout the site. Uh, same thing on the east elevation there, number two, where you're standing on McCulloch Boulevard, you're looking at it. The red line represents the, the elevation at the right-of-way. So that portion of the building that's below that red line, you, you won't see because it'll be down in the ground. And then obviously that, that line is not straight. It shows the this, this seven-foot uh, change from one end of the project to the other end along McCulloch. Uh, standing on Delta, elevation number three, you're going to see the whole building, basically. Um, and then standing on Delta Drive, the long side of Delta Drive, once again, we've got the red line in there representing the, the grade, how it changes from McCulloch Boulevard um, all the way over to Delta. Uh, next slide. Um, I probably don't have to remind anybody, but I'll just close with this, I guess. The, the PED, we all know that uh, a housing needs assessment was done uh, back in December. We have some quotes there that, that were provided or that were used um, to try to, to justify the project. But in reality, I mean, really what the needs assessment told us is that we're, sh we're short units. Um, we're specifically short on rental units. We need to encourage a variety of housing types, um, and this is one of those projects where we're also encouraging infill. And then, next slide, please. Um, our own general plan has a chapter, Chapter 5, uh, that's designated to housing and neighborhoods, and it specifically has a lot of goals that, that um, directly relate to this project. Uh, the expanding of the housing variety, encouraging mixture of uses, encouraging fit infill development, which this is. And then there's a goal that's, uh, that I wrote verbatim on there uh, because I think it directly addresses or at least speaks to some of the traffic concerns. It says locate higher density residential uses near major roadways, roadway corridors to promote efficient transportation systems and prevent excessive amounts of vehicular traffic from minor residential streets. And I think the, the intersection of McCulloch and Chimawabee definitely classifies as that. Um, I have nothing else. I know that the engineer, the architect, and the owner are all here. If you have any additional questions, we'd be happy to try to answer those. Thank you, Mr. Schmeling. Are there any questions from members of the council for 
Mr. Gilbert or for the applicant's representative? Councilmember Campbell? Yes, I have a couple questions. I, first off, the presentations were great. I, very clear, especially on the higher density of apartments, that was very enlightening to me because high density in a residential area going from 20 to 37 is too much for me. But understanding that the other apartment complexes in our community are within that. Now, the difference between the apartment comp complexes in our other communities, they're walking distance from a lot of restaurants, uh, grocery stores, and other items. On those other apartment complexes that we spoke of, let's just say the one on Swanson, um, where it had relatively the same densities, were they back at the parking restrictions of 148? I would think that they were the old parking uh, codes. So we'd be a difference of about 28 parking spots based on um, similar apartment complexes in the community. Am I correct? Um, Councilwoman Campbell, um, the reality with these older complexes is many of them, uh, they were all, uh, almost all of them were built in the last century. They were um, underparked severely, even compared to our old standard that just changed. So do you have like a compare, like do you know the number of parking spots on that one unit that had the highest density that we would have on that one or is that something we don't no, have I, tonight? No, I don't have the, I don't have the exact parking count on that complex. Um, the, I can say in the study that in the analysis I put in the staff report, which you can see is that the base on the standard that just changed last month, prior to that it was 109. They were able to provide 120 in mm -hmm. their resubmittal. And with the big jump that the change to the new standards caused, uh, if they applied today, if we, if we accepted the project today as complete, they would be required to provide 148. But any project that was in the pipeline prior to the date of, date of, uh, of uh, not date of approval, but the 30 days after when it became effective would, uh, would be essentially grandfathered. Okay. And my only concern at this point for this is maybe the location. Again, the high-density apartment complexes are usually closer to shopping, so I think that you'd only have maybe one car versus two cars. In this location, you're going to get in a vehicle and you're going to drive pretty much anywhere you need to go. Um, still great presentation. Not sure which way I'm going. I want to hear from the audience and go from there. Are there any additional questions or comments from members of the council? All right, uh, this is a public hearing. Uh, before we go to the public hearing, we did have a few folks uh, sign up, so we'll go in order of the, the people that signed up. But I just want to remind uh, what we talked about earlier. There's a light indicator box next to Ms. Williams. Green means you have time. Uh, yellow means you have one minute remaining. Red means that uh, your time is up. Please um, have your comments and be respectful to each other. There's going to be people that are for and against that that are in this room. Um, so we are in a public uh, meeting. So please address your comments to the council. Uh, you know, no, no cheering and no, no supporting that way. We'll hear the words just by using your voices. So please do that. Um, and uh, let's, let's be respectful while we hear this. We will listen intently to all the conversations and answer any questions that may come forward uh, during this public testimony uh, portion of the meeting. Uh, so we'll start with, uh, is there Mr. Nick Palm? Uh, please make your way to the podium. Good evening, Mr. Mayor and council members. A couple questions. How many, exactly how many parking spots are planned on this development? What's, what's the actual number? 
The actual number is 120. 120, and there's 78 proposed units. And the average family owns two cars. So where's the excess parking going to be? On McCullough Street? On Delta? That's an issue. Um, and what's the uh, breakdown of the apartments? One bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom. What is that breakdown? Um, Mr. Mayor, if I may defer to the applicant to explain his breakdown. If you could just step aside, and Mr. Schmeling will answer that question for you. All right. The um, the breakdown in units is it, the total of 78 units, 48 one-bedroom units, 21 two-bedroom units, and nine three-bedroom units. Yeah, so it's 48, 21, 3. Or 9, sorry. Yeah, 48 one-bedroom, 21 two-bedroom, and nine uh, three-bedroom. And we all talk about affordable housing here in Lake Havasu City. Do we have any forecasts on the rents on, on this apartment duplex? You know, is it going to be affordable housing or is this? Sure. Yeah, yeah I just want, I want to caution because there will be um, additional speakers uh, after you. Right. Nowhere have I heard the word affordable until you just mentioned it now. It's been so, in all the newspaper yeah, articles. But that's, that's not what was mentioned in our presentation. Okay, but understand. I'll certainly be, um, would the applicant's representative be prepared to talk about uh, uh, rents. Yeah. No. no. Yeah, they are. Yeah, okay. they don't have an idea yet. Okay. Thank you. That's all I had to say. Right. Thank, thank you for your comments. Oh, another quick question. Yes. The, t the three apartment duplexes that this one was compared to, how many stories are they? Uh, they were uh, two stories. Two stories. Yes. This one's three. Yes. So this is a major change. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Uh, the next speaker is uh, Mr. Steve uh, Bonaire. My name is uh, Steve Bonaire, B-E-R-N-I-E-R, -E and I have a question for the developers on the elevations again. Because I did a survey myself, and the, the lots do drop from McCulloch to the alleyway about 22 to 23 feet. So if you're sinking the, the front of McCulloch 12 feet and you're coming up 39 feet in the air, aren't the apartments over on the alley side where the dog leg of Delta is? That's going to be a 49-foot building here because the, the parking level is going to be 10 feet above the street. Yeah, Mr. Gilbert, is that, uh, maybe if you can is, forward. Am I correct? Or, I mean, that's what, that's what I, I want to make sure everybody understands that because if, the, if that street is dropping down 23 feet from there to there and you're running the building 12 feet down in the front, that means when you get to the alleyway where the dog leg is, you're going to be up in the air before you start the building 10 to 11 feet. So there's going to be a bank bit off the street. So that building is going to be over 49 feet from the street there. If I'm if I'm looking at that correctly, Mr. Gilbert, I just want to make sure everybody understands that, uh, Mr. Mayor. If I may, um, they in the applicant's presentation they showed a pad a specific pad height that was 12 feet below the max grade, which uh, with the mouse is approximately here. So this point would be about 12 feet below, and they show cut in this area and fill down here to where this will be raised at this point slightly. Uh, from the from from the drawings that the applicant provided. Okay. So, but in reality, what's it going to be? 
Yeah. Does the engineer um, have? Yeah, if you could just uh, step aside real quick, and uh, the engineer will answer that question for you. Yeah. Uh, Mac with Iris Development. Um, he's correct. You're going to be at intersection where the bulb is. You're about two feet above grade from 86 to an 84, and you are about probably 10 feet at the alley from, from the finished grade of the building. So the total height is going to be what? So it would be 49 feet okay. at that corner, 39 feet at the other corner of where the bulb is. Because as it, where Stewart had before, drops 23 feet from pretty much the corner of McCulloch and Delta to the alley in Delta. So that's where that difference is coming from. Okay. So I just think also, I think you guys should have all been aware of that. I mean, if I hadn't come up here and brought this up, no one would have ever known that. That building is going to be almost 50 feet tall from the street on that area. And that is just too tall for that neighborhood. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, the next uh, speaker is uh, Sheila Murphy. Okay, bear with me because I'm not a good speaker. Oh, no, you're, you're, you're fine. I'll just pull the microphone down a little bit, Miss Murphy. I have a couple of things. Yeah, Miss Murphy, uh, pull. Oh, hello. Uh, thank Can you. you hear me now? Perfect. Can you hear me now? Okay. Um, my name is Sheila Murphy, M-U-R-P-H-Y, and I live on Bison Boulevard. The first thing that I want to remember, remind everybody is at some point, Bison Boulevard was going to be a boulevard because of the bypass that was going through. So was Chimawavy. That is the reason that these two lots, just like the lots on Bison, Kiowa, and um, Delta, I mean um, Duke, um, were commercial. They were plotted to be gas stations and, and convenience stores. That's why these have not been developed. That's one. So my question to you guys is, why are we taking a lot that is C1, and have we merged all of those different lots to reflect one big lot? Because they're saying they're using McCulloch Boulevard as the height and digging down to it. But if you took Delta and put it, which would be lot one, two, three, four, and five, and if I were to build a building there, I couldn't build this 39-foot-high building if I was that. I was at the... Planning Commission meeting. I'll get to my notes in a second. And I heard over and over that we, that the builder could only build at this lot because there was nobody else in the town. There was no other place to do it. Well, I did my own research. I looked at Bimini. I looked at Bahama. There's 24.83 acres out there that has been not developed, but those are already zoned for R1. So why aren't we using those lots? Why are we having to change this? The biggest thing is if everybody got up and looked right behind us, 
There's 4.68 acres that's for sale right now that is zoned R1 that this project could go into and we wouldn't be here today. So please don't put this three-story building in a place where it's a neighborhood. Make it an R2. Make it the small mini homes that have been going up everywhere in the last five years. Put those there. I know we need to have affordable housing for our workforce, but like the councilman said, who's going to be working here, I mean living here and being our workforce in downtown. They're gonna have to park here to go down there. That's not what we're looking for. Make this affordable housing or small, but not the three-story monster. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Murphy. Uh, that concludes uh, speakers that have signed up. So anyone else that would like to speak on this issue, just yeah, you can just make your way to the microphone, uh, state your name for the record and uh, share your feedback. Good evening, uh, Mr. Mayor, council members. Um, first, uh, my name is Brian, and last name Strahl, S-T-R-A-H-L. Um, some of the little bit of uh, misconceptions from over here earlier, where we talked about that uh, no one's ever wanted to develop that land as far as commercial. Well, the DeRues have owned most of that land, um, starting in 1995 when they purchased their first lot that they're actually basing it off of. So total investment, um, they bought their last parcel in January of 23 for 18000 Their total investment on the, all that land was about $838,000, hence probably why they want to develop it. The ratios that we're asking for, um, we keep talking about, well, they reduced it by 10%. What they're asking this council to approve is an 85% variance, 85%. Something I didn't know, thank you, um, Steve, in the back, but like... Uh, we're, we're looking at a five-story building. That was not presented. I was at the planning committee. They did not say that at the planning committee. None of this information um, by the presentation for the, for the developers was at the planning committee. The planning committee actually lost a vote. Mr. Diaz did not vote for it this time. Why? It's because he felt that people should not be able to just purchase land in Havasu with the assumption of switching it to high density or switching the zoning of it. Um, when this first started earlier this year, um, Jason Drew put it out at a meeting. Um, that's the reason he had every intention of always making this high, high residential. That's when I came to this last meeting was my biggest concern of who promised him that. So with the heights, that's, that's crazy now that it's going to end up being like a four or five story building. Um, the parking with the old ordinance, um, they, they're, they're, meeting it, they're meeting it right now. But when it comes down to it, the new ordinance is in play. I know that there's grandfathering for everything, but this has still not been approved. These lots have not been combined. Um, only three, three of the nine lots actually line up on McCullough. The rest of the lots would be these 40-foot monstrosities, 50-foot now, I guess. Um, the other thing that was put out that this is for, you know, for these families that are growing. There is no playground. There is no pool. There is no place to walk the dogs. There is no place for kids to um, recreate. There's no places for kids to recreate in that area. Um, so that's a problem. Um, we talk about, well, in 2022, there was no rentals. As of today on the MLS, um, rentals in Lake Havasu right now, housing or apartments, I did not break them down, so forgive me, I didn't have that much time. Um, under $1,800 is 111 units right now for rent in Lake Havasu. Um, units under $1,500, there are 65 units. And units under $1,200, there are currently 22 units. So 
right now we have units available for rent and a lot of these MLS listings are multiple on the MLS, meaning they have, these are apartment complexes that actually have multiple, um, multiple places to rent from. Um, and I know most of you on the city council last time in February when you all went around and talked, you, you felt this wasn't a good plan for this area. Um, I think you actually had a little bit more information and I come out that it's even a worse plan for it to be in this area as far as the height. And some of the comments were also made towards the end of the, um, some council members made is, we just didn't want it in our backyard. No, we want apartments in our backyard. That's fine. We want the Darus. I hope the Darus come back and actually put apartments that make sense and follow our city guidelines. Because everyone here, everyone says, we're being selfish because we don't want to allow this. No, we want to allow it to, when we bought our properties, we knew it was there. We knew the potential. Um, at the uh, planning committee, we were threatened by Jason. He turned around and said, well, if I don't get this approved, I'll just build a hotel. There's nothing you can do about it through the room kind of for a shock. Um, so I just fear that if we set this precedence, precedence in Lake Havasu to allow this happen, who's to say that someone just can't grab a lot and build a five-story apartment and call it like for, um, for the working class people? So that's, that's one of our problems. And uh, we all talk about the money that make it affordable housing, affordable housing. I know that we didn't put it out there, Mr. Mayor, that we called it that tonight, but it's been pretty abundant in the community with it, what it's being called to help the working class people. Um, Maybe that's something that we need to look at, the working class people. Maybe, maybe we're not paying our working class people enough out here as the business owners. So something for you all to take back, because I know there's business owners sitting on this council. And Mr. Mayor, I'd, I'd like for you, just because we are your constituents, I know I can't ask this audience, but I'd love for you to look out right now, all of you, and ask this audience who thinks this is a great idea for a show of hands. Because you are taking our votes tonight, because we took, we elected you guys to be our voice, and we're hoping you guys really take that into consideration tonight, to be our voice. And I hope you really, before you put it to vote, you look at all these people in the face and you ask our opinion by a simple show of hands. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and council members. Thank you. Yeah, please. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, council members, everybody else. Um, my wife and I moved here in uh, 2010 so we're not terribly new to town, but we're not pioneers. Um, and um, right about the time we got here in 2010, uh, as we all know, I think uh, real estate and the economy and just about everything else was in the tank. Um, there was a huge exodus of younger people from this community between 2008 and 2011. Um, uh, a simple example of that, which sort of reflects that. Uh, the hospital was delivering, I think, 500, 550 babies a year in 2007, 2008. Um, by 2012, it was about half that. Um, uh, very few of us in this group uh, are of childbearing age. And the reason that that's a problem is this. Sometimes my car breaks. I got to get it fixed. When my kids weren't 20 odd years old, they had to go to school. My toilet backs up sometimes. Um, I like having the electric work in my house. Occasionally I get my teeth cleaned. How is that relevant? Well, mechanics make an average of $60,000 a year, grocery managers 52,000, dental assistants 45,000, receptionists 35,000, housekeepers $16 an hour. Where do they live? The median housing price in this town right now is $460,000. Um, even if you 
put $60,000 down, you have to make $105,000 a year to qualify for a loan. Okay? Um, I personally don't care whether it's, quote, affordable housing or not. Um, I personally don't care if it's in my backyard or not. As it turns out, it's not. I do care that we have mechanics, teachers, police, hairdressers, chefs, housekeepers, receptionists, plumbers, and a lot of them can't afford to have a house here. Um, the point was made that there are 100-odd um, rentals in town right now, which is a very good point. However, supply and demand determines everything. If you have more supply, the price, the clearing price, goes down. I just spent seven months in another community elsewhere, about the same size as this, where it's murder finding anything that isn't bought to live. It's murder. The Airbnbs, we all know about those, charge $5,000 a month for an armpit. Okay, um, It's a problem, and we're not going to attract or retain young people if they can't live anywhere. Um, whether 78 or 87 units or 120 or 115 or 137.6 parking spaces is ideal. I don't know, and honestly, I don't care. It's not my job. It's yours, collectively. What I do want to see is affordable for normal, regular people who make an average of $62,000 per household per year to live here, because otherwise, we're all going to have problems when our cars break and nobody can fix it, when we go to the hospital, we won't even get into that, all right, and there aren't enough nurses, there aren't enough techs, um, there are no dental assistants because I can't live here. That's the importance of this, not the setbacks, not whether it's 37 or 42 feet. So whether it's, it's it, this is not a yes or no, it's a how do we make these things work, not only here, but going forward, because everything is in somebody's backyard. That's just life. If you can find a way to make this work to everybody's satisfaction, then you can do it again and again, and young people start staying here all over again. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, would anyone else like to address the, uh, the council on this item? Uh, Russ Burroughs. Um, I just want to make mention that I'm opposed. You know, this town is so beautiful. Nowhere in this town, in the middle of town, is there a three-story building? You're making comparisons to the ones that are two-story by Albertsons and Safeway down in that area. You made mention that if they put a hotel there, we wouldn't be here because it'd only be 36 feet tall. We just found out it's going to be 49 feet tall. So I believe an apartment building or a, a, a hotel that was 49 feet tall, they'd be here. When we saw the planning commission. There was a gentleman that said, prove me wrong. It's not going to be 49 feet. Thank you for being honest and telling people that it's going to be 49 feet on the south side. They took a vote not knowing it's going to be 49 feet tall on the delta bottom part. Those people walk out their front doors, you're going to see a monstrosity. Um, also wondered, is there an elevator in this building? Yeah, does... 
I know it's a crazy question, but it's three stories, and a fireman might have to carry somebody sure. my size down the, down the stairs. Yeah, so what we're doing today is a, uh, a, it's a Just for the zoning. zoning. I'm sorry. No, it's a zoning hearing, and so we don't have uh, full specifications of what the building's going to be. We have conceptual, um, and in the proposed uh, motion, the, the applicant would have to stay within that, but we don't have details of, of square footage or those okay. types of things. I didn't know. I thought that might be something you might want to consider. Sure. <clears throat> I want to read something that somebody posted because they couldn't be here. If that's okay? Sure. And I'm not good at speaking. This person says when he went to the planning commission to, to make the changes after being here in February, then he went and did some changes when it went from 87 units to 78 units, according to this person. They said they only lowered it 10% just because they can get the parking to be under the old rules. So it's a mere 10% less density, which puts them under the old parking space requirements, minimum without a setback. We were told they don't have to meet the new standards since the original filing was before the change. The parking changes were driven by this project. Nancy Campbell asked them to go back and review the parking requirements and the, out, the outcome was the change driving was the change driving more spaces. Everything is not black and white. It was we would not change commercial or other types of properties to suit owners' desires. This owner purchased this project property with the intent to change the classification. If you make those approvals, then we also need to hold them to the new standards that this project drove the change. Thanks. Also, thank you for pointing out that there's lots available. Last time we were here in February 14th, they said there's no lots available to build these kind of projects. Apparently, there's a few of them that they could build on that aren't in the middle of town. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, please just make your way to the podium and state your name for the record. Good evening. My name is Laura Shodal. Thank you for having this hearing. Um, <clears throat> And I, too, am not a great speaker, but a couple questions I had was, uh, what, uh, during the traffic study recommendations, what were those recommendations that the project owners have agreed to? Yeah, Mr. Gilbert, do you have uh, a summary? that It's in uh, the council packet. There were some recommendations on uh, some turning lanes and, and the such. Uh, when I read through it, but Mr. Gilbert, do you have a summary on? Would you like me to read them, Mr. Mayor? Please. Okay. Those recommendations, number one, revise TIS existing traffic counts to account for school session season after August 3rd. Number two, revise analysis to address public hearing input concerns as follows. Reconfigure alley 34 entry to right in, right out. Include turn pocket widening on McCulloch frontage. Widen the Delta Drive intersections at McCulloch Boulevard and Chemawavy Boulevard to accommodate a left turn pocket and a separate right-hand turn pocket of sufficient length for delays onto the boulevards. Include traffic calming measures along Delta Drive to avoid signal shortcuts. Include the five-year horizon build-out to include the northeast parcel of the McCulloch-Chemawavy intersection being developed as retail commercial. Project revised traffic counts for that same analysis. If the alley is being utilized for access into the site, it should be widened half-width along the development frontage to drive standards. Designate the McCulloch frontage to be no parking. All frontage of Delta Drive to be improved, widened to drive standards. 
Uh, and number three, additional corrections may occur once the request information is provided. Thank you. I didn't hear anything about the um, traveling, I guess, westbound or southbound on McCulloch, approaching Delta. Um, that's a short-sighted area. As a matter of fact, you're right on it before you even see Delta. Um, I foresee issues, traffic issues with um, people coming in and out of there because you can't see it when you're going 30 miles an hour. That's one thing. The other thing is, um, again, as most everybody has commented on, this is an elephant in the room as far as the current local community dynamic is concerned. You don't put a three-story, four-story, five-story building in and amongst what some people consider high-density housing that is pretty much duplexes, as far as I am aware of, um, affronting then uh, single-family homes in behind there. It, it's an albatross. Um, uh, other great comments were uh, you'll have to drive your car everywhere you go. There's no school right there in the immediate area. There's no playgrounds, etc. So um, with that being said, I'd also like to ask about lighting. If you're in a more residential or lower multifamily setting, but you have a three-story apartment complex that's high density, What's that going to do to the local lighting issues? Yeah, the lighting code remains the same for single family as well as multifamily in a residential area. Thank you very much for that. Uh, that remains to be seen, I would imagine. Um, anyway, without having a real sketch of what's going on there as far as what it looks like, of course, we can't really say. It's just a bad idea in a residential neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next uh, speaker, just make your way to the podium. State your name for the record. My name is Gabriel Suarez, permanent resident here for about two years. Um, I listened to everything that was said. I don't live in the immediate area. I live a little bit further south. But I believe this project here is going to impact a lot more people than the people who live around the building. Um, it's going to impact everybody who drives down McCulloch, which is over 1,000 people daily. I think to a point, the people, and I want to thank everybody for coming. I thank you. Um, I just really believe there's probably twice as many people who couldn't make it to today's meeting. But I feel to a point, the people of Havasu have been a little misled. It's very true what that gentleman said about a 50-foot height. Um, I was a police officer for 30 years. Before that, I was a land surveyor. Um, during the presentation, they did mention the elevation on McCulley. They did mention the elevation down on the corner. They did mention that they were going to drop the east side of the building 12 feet. It's very easy to do math. They knew it was a 50-foot face on the west side of that building, yet nobody said that. Now, what's 50 feet? What's 50 feet? Anybody see the wall over on... Um, over there off, is it Jamaica? Where it turns as a huge wall with an empty lot. That little wall is less than 30 feet. We're talking 50 feet. Um, 
we have to think about the people of Havasu. Anybody and everybody who lives adjacent to that property is going to be staring at a 50-foot wall. Now, what's that going to do to their quality of life? What's that going to do to the property values of their home? I'm sure before that building is even done, they're going to try and sell their house. I mean, it's, it's unfair when you calculate how many people this project would positively impact as compared to how many people this would negatively impact. There was a slideshow, I believe, put on earlier with three other buildings. I don't know if it was a black and white. Three buildings, no, no, it was um, of three existing multi-level buildings. Mm -hmm. oh. Do you have that slide? I just wanted to look at something. Um, for a reason, I don't know what the reason is, but we're kind of zoomed in on this. I don't see any residential housing, single family residents, directly around those buildings. Don't understand why, but I mean, it there are no single family residences about that building, around those buildings. There was another point brought up about buildings just, multi-story buildings just south of McCulloch. Those would not impact most of the residents around because the front of those buildings, multi-level buildings, front the road. The back side of the building is on the back side of single family residences. It's not on the front side, which is what's being proposed here. Um, I had one more thing, I'm sorry. Um, again, the number of units from 20 to 37 per acre. There's a reason for that. There's an ob obvious reason for that. Anybody who's money, th that's the only reason, to make it profitable. If you don't have enough units, it's not profitable. Sometimes it's not even worth building it. So one of the only reasons to make it 37 instead of the 20, which is allotted, is money. That's the only thing. So I really feel for the people of Havasu, this is something, uh, there's plenty of places to build these buildings. There's plenty of places to build mass 200 unit buildings all along the 95. Who would that impact? Who would that impact negatively? Don't know. But again, I, I pray for the people of Havasu and pray for the people who live adjacent to that lot. I wish everybody the best. Thank you. Yeah, next uh, speaker. Let's make your way to the podium. State your name for the record. My name is Daniel Koblosh, K-O-B-L-O-S-H. As it turns out, this uh, development is pretty much in my backyard. Um, I live on Coral Reef, which is just above McCulloch and roughly at the Chimawavy intersection there. So I drive down that road almost every day, um, coming out Chimawavy to turn left onto McCulloch uh, or right, but mostly left or straight down Chimawavy, and it's already there's going to have to be a light put there eventually because this is almost too dangerous now. Uh, the, the traffic comes over the hill uh, coming at you from McCulloch, and it is uh, it's getting to be pretty hairy. And if you have four-way traffic there, it's just going to be worse. But that's not – I'm not against um, uh, development. Uh, you know, it's easy to come here and say, don't change anything, you know, leave it the way it always was, you know, this kind of a thing. But there's a reason when this gentleman says, oh, this lot's been empty all this time. You know, it's like nobody's even thought about building on this. That's not true. Uh, 
I didn't know why the lot was empty. We moved here in 2016. We've been coming here for 30 years because my wife's uh, mother lives here. And so we've watched this city uh, grow. And U7 are the inheritors of the cultural and the wisdom of our founding fathers who built this city, right? 50 years ago, there's not a single traffic light here. There's not 95. There's nothing, right? And they, back then, as I understand it, set aside five of these pods around the city because they envisioned that there was going to be people building houses and they would need services up the hill. I mean, I can't even conceive of somebody thinking that far ahead, but they did. And that's why those lands are empty. And uh, I just think it was rather brilliant. I feel like this is sort of a done deal. I doubt that I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Obviously, the zoning commission's already said okay. Um, but I thought that the wisdom of our founding fathers here to look forward to, the, to people needing uh, services out there was pretty wise. That's pretty cool. And that's enough lot. If you look at that, those two lots right there, the, the whole pink area on that map right there, that's about the same size as the Smith's Shopping Center or you know, any other. You could put a full-service uh, supermarket in there. Now, of course, that would involve Kroger, which now owns Albertsons, which owns Safeway, or Basha's, which owns Food City. You know, so there's really only three, I guess, here in town, Walmart, Basha's, and Kroger, because um, they own Smith's. So maybe nobody wants to put a supermarket on there. But I'll tell you, if there was a full-service supermarket, that's the one I would go to. It's within a third of a mile of my house, right? And if there was a gas station there, I mean, I wouldn't be driving downtown. And maybe that's not what you don't want people to do. Maybe you do want them to, you know, go downtown. But anyway, I'm just saying is that the wisdom of our founding fathers said, someday there will be houses up here. And that house, not even considering... Um, what I would say is called the East Lake Havasu, um, or the cherry tree uh, development up there with, I don't know how many houses are up there now, who have no services and all come down cherry tree. And really, that's another story, but they want to drive through my neighborhood <laughs> to get out. So we have a ton of people up here that do not have access to a supermarket or a gas station that's really nearby, that's local. And uh, I just thought that it was brilliant that our founding fathers thought of that, planned for it, zoned for it, and now we're saying, oh, let's just rezone it and turn it into residential. And I'm just sad to see that happen. And it's up to you, Seven, to pick up the legacy that our founding fathers envisioned for the services that they thought would be necessary down the line for us residents. Anyway, thank you very much. Thank you. The next speaker. Good evening. My name is Jim Day, 38-year resident, Lake Havasu. Um, I'd like to thank the council and the mayor for your service in our community in these difficult times. Uh, I want to speak against the project. I'm like this gentleman. I live the other side of McCulloch and Several times a day, I have to access McCulloch from Chimawavi or Aqua. And 
in the morning, I can sit there for two, three minutes before I can find a break to get through. And then I got to go get after it or else I get run over. It is pretty hazardous traffic area. Now we're going to dump another couple of hundred cars in there. Um, I also, the parking issue to me, already you look around town and you can see in apartment complexes, people are parking on the street because people in this town do not have one and a half cars. They have two, three, and four cars. If my kids were living home today in one of those three-bedroom places, we'd have four cars. We would. And maybe an off-road vehicle, too, and where am I going to put it? So I, I think that the parking is, is a huge issue and the number of cars that we put in there. I just want to remind you this thing only got through the Zoning Commission by one vote. And I would hope that tonight you would side with the residents and not with the developers. Thank you. Okay. Next speaker, yeah, just state your name for the record. Hi, my name is Tracy Patterson. I have been a full-time resident here since 2018. Um, I went to the planning and zoning meeting, uh, listened to everybody's opinions, everybody's uh, take on what was happening. I also listened to what the developer had to say, how they were trying to uh, sell this idea, not only to planning and zoning, but to the residents that were sitting here in the room. Um, I come from a city in a state that started implementing these high-density projects. And they started building 30, 40, 50-foot walls to hide them from the residents, try to kind of beautify the area. So my backyard turned into that wall that's on Jamaica. That's all I saw outside of my, my, outside of my backyard. And you know what was above that backyard? the top level of somebody standing there on the balcony looking down at me in my backyard. So they thought, okay, well, we'll put trees to kind of, you know, stop the, you know, the view, stop the, you know, uh, the line of sight of these, these uh, properties. Well, then these trees grew and then everything was falling in our yard and, you know, it was just, it was just, it ended up being a mess. Something that they tried to put that was single-story apartments, they put the same thing, a three-story, high-density property in that area, and it just overfilled. Everything spilled over into our neighborhoods. The, the, the cars, the cars that are broken down, the uh, off-road vehicles, boats, everything, it just filled our, our neighborhoods. And so then we had to try to get permit parking. Well, that turned into fiasco. So this doesn't, it, it's so, it is not a good idea in so many ways. First of all, the privacy, the privacy of the homeowners that live within that, within that area. Second of all, listening to the, all the adjustments that you have to make just to get this property, this building in there, widen this, add a lane, you know, reinforce this structure, elevate this. So much work to put this into this small little area when there's so many different areas that that can go in and slip right on in. Very easily, easy in, in you know, access to come in, easy access to uh, exit onto uh, a more main thoroughfare. And so 
I, I come here to say, you know, you've got a room, at least a room, full of stakeholders in this town. We love this town for a reason. We love, you, you mentioned the lighting, the zoning for the lighting is, is going to be the same with that, that property, right? But there's a lot more lights for those individuals than there are for our quaint little homes that we have our maximum 60 watt bulbs or whatever. And we like that. We like the, we don't like the, the light noise. We like to be able to look up at our skies and that's going to take away from all of this. And it's going to take away from the, the, what we came here to have a zoo for. And I really hope that you just kind of take heed on the things that the people are saying to you. Just listen to us a little bit. Maybe uh, put something in there. I know uh, it's not going to be afford affordable for the builder. It's not going to be profitable for the builder. That was another thing in the planning and zoning meeting. Somebody asked, what's the average rents going to be in there? They didn't really have it, but they were mentioning rents that are as high as a rent for a house. And so in no way are these, even a three-bedroom apartment, are people going to be able to afford to live in there and figure out a way to work in our community which is what we need. We're, we're, we've got long waits in, at restaurants. We've got long waits at the hospital. We've got long waits. We have nowhere for, you know, we're taking our pets. There's no available people to help service our everyday needs for those of us who live here already. And you're putting stress on our community and you're putting stress on our people that invested into our town. And I want to thank you for what you guys do. You have a tough job. You really do. You got to make everybody happy, and I know you can't, but you got a lot of people who are unhappy about this. So I want to thank you for your time. Thank you. Yeah, next speaker. Good evening. My name is Paul Bruce, Mr. Mayor, Council Members. I am a real estate broker here in town and a resident. Uh, I just wanted to um, share some information that I just managed to pick up while I was sitting here listening, and this particular slide is a very good indication of that. Along Delta, there are actually 12 lots, all zoned R2. There are seven of those lots which currently have duplexes, and there are five which have single-family homes. So you'll be impacting those five people, and a matter of fact, the single-family homes are in the corner where the 49-foot elevation will be in front of these single-family homes. I'm really not here to offer an opinion. I'm here to give, the in, to give you that information. It may or may not have been in your package, but it is something that you may want to consider as you make your decision this evening. Thank you. Thank you. Council members, thank you. Uh, my name is Duke Hingley. I live in the area that we're discussing here. I want us to stop being altruistic about this concept. There's really nothing altruistic about this building here providing any sort of uh, low-income housing. That's not what this is about. This is about greed. And it's at the expense of the existing residents. And I rest. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Um, my name is Pam Swenson, and I have lived here since 2016. However, I've been coming here uh, since 1972. So I've seen a big change in this town. Um, I am probably in the minority in this room because I know how desperately we need housing such as this in the town. 
I also know that nobody wants it near where they live now. Um, people are talking about the stakeholders that this impacts. Well, there's a lot of stakeholders that are not here tonight because they're working. They're the ones that are in the restaurants. They're the ones that are the service workers in the hotels. They're the ones who have to work 40, 50, 60 hours just to live in this town and provide the services that all of these people want. I worked in civil engineering for a long time. I understand grading. I understand all of that. The lady before me talked about, well, all the things that have to be done in order to make this building work there. That has to be done in any construction project. Most people don't know that. It's not uncommon, it's not unusual, and it is not unexpected. I can't speak for this neighborhood necessarily whether it is the right place or not. All I am saying is, is that we desperately need this here in this town, and whoever develops it has to make money off of it. It's, it's part of the culture of this country. You don't do things to not make money. So everybody thinks it's about greed. It's not. It's about good business practices. They have to make a profit off of whatever they do. Um, there's got to be more apartment complexes in this town, and they're talking about along Highway 95. Those properties, that land there is not available. That's state land, and that's federal land. You can't build there, and people are unaware of that. There's, yes, there's more... Um, Lots available in this city that probably could be developed. Are they for sale? People assume an empty lot is for sale. They're not all for sale. And a lot of people are holding on to them for various reasons. I cannot speak for this builder. I cannot speak necessarily just for this development. I don't think it's horrible. Do I think it's perfect? No. But I think that we have to accept the fact that our neighborhoods are going to have to change in order to change this town. We can't keep doing things the same way it's been done for 50 years because this town is not the same. And as far as McCulloch and his view and what he expected out of this town, he had, he really didn't understand how to develop this town, I don't think, or he wouldn't have industrial areas that had the best views of the lake. You go on, you know, down on Countryshire, there's all, it's all commercial. Those would be great places for houses. But that was, that was zoned for, for commercial, and that's what was built there. Um, anyway, I just want to, I'm speaking for the people who can't be here, because I think they have an impact in the decisions that are made. And this group should not say that people don't want to live in that neighborhood because it's too far away, because you don't know. You don't know where they want to live, and it's not for you to say that they shouldn't live there because there's not a store nearby or there's not a playground or any of that. It's not your decision. It's their decision. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Next speaker, if you uh, just state your name for the record, please. Councillor, yeah. Mayor. Um, Could you bring the microphone? Oh, thank you. Hi. Yeah. Uh, good evening, all. Uh, my name is Patty Holder. I am that dog groomer. <laughs> I own Pets in Paradise Resort, LLC. Congratulations, as in last month, I've been opening for 13 years. And I had to stand here in front of the committee to get okay, just like anybody else. Mm -hmm. I totally understand that. Um, moving forward, um, this is not a good idea for my business and for the community itself, the residences. 
that you're talking about long-term, um, big high machinery, moving dirt, and who knows how long this project's going to end. This would definitely devastate my business. My dogs cannot handle all their high energy, the engines and um, dirt movers, hauling trucks in and out. You're going to have to haul a lot of that dirt out. You're going down 12 feet, and it's just not feasible. And parking with all of the excess uh, machinery in there, you know, where are they going to park that at when they work on it? Because they have to have the land empty to work on it. So just a lot of concern than that, but just let you know this would probably devastate me and probably shut me down um, on this this construction went forward. And I do a lot of um, medical dogs, as in people are taking chemo for cancer, and they go to Las Vegas and the Phoenix, and they will have nowhere now to take their dogs. So I help the community on on that to support them. So and there is in no other. Kennel around besides um, Novak, and um, it's my life. <laughs> and I just ask you, please don't let this go forward. Yeah, thank you. It was Miss Holder, is that your name? Yes. Yeah. So it, it's the construction that that is not good for your business, but no, it's the operation otherwise. No, because it's otherwise? devastating. Yeah, like even the Piatrov six at the at the uh, racetrack, the fireworks, the dogs get all freaked out on that mm -hmm. and stuff. So it's just loud noise, and this is going to be on. How many weeks or months is this construction going to be going on? It's not just like it's a couple weeks or a month. This sure. you're talking about months in and out. Okay. And and I'm already having people asking me about well, what are you going to do with all of the, when they start construction about there and the dogs are not going to like that. Okay. So all right. So, so it's more about nervous. the construction is is where your perspective is this evening versus the long term. So, so say well, it was magically built overnight. But then again, you have the kids, and um, kids are kids. They're going to want to play. They're going to be out in the alley. Then they're going to be come up to the gate. Um, before the pandemic, uh, we were there. We had tons of issues with um, the duplexes around there, and people were coming in and out, and they would take all their, their trash, their garbage, their furniture, and they would put back by our dumpster. So it was constantly I had to hire um, them come in to remove that at, at my cost, of course, because it's on my property. And I can see a lot of that happening to me, too, just because it's there. People just do it because it's there, and they can get rid of it and just go on so they don't have to pay for it because I don't know the dumping situation there, but it's not made for people to move out. <laughs> okay. Excess stuff. Yeah, thank you. So I, I can just foresee a lot of issues before and after and during. Okay. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, next uh, speaker, if you just state your name for the record, please. Uh, Bill Fleming. Uh, I live in R2 right there on Chamo Wavy and South McCullough. Why is all that highlighted in yellow, that area around there? Uh, that's uh, the uh, bright yellow is uh, signified by R2 zoning classifications, a two-family uh, home, so duplexes and the such. Um, is what zoned for that. As was mentioned earlier, there are some single-family homes that have built in that R2 lot. The lighter or more pale yellow is R1 or single family, and then the pink is um, C1, so commercial is what it's currently zoned. I was wondering if that was on a master plan of being developed, like no, it's the current zoning regulations. It's this oh. current zoning in this okay. area neighborhood. Well, anyway, I've talked to you about this before. I live right there. I can't tell you how many accidents they've had at that intersection. I'm pulling weeds or something. Bam! There's another accident. 
and you got to put a light in there. Even the way it is right now, you got to put a light in or some stops, more stop signs there. And I told you it's 25 when you're going south and you go up to Churchill. Sign says 25. Nobody abides by any of that stuff. There, and it dips down the other way. And uh, just to get out of my driveway, I got to watch when people turn south of Cola right onto Chimawavy, turning left. Coming from out Loha, coming down from the Campbell Ranch, you got to put a light or stop or make it a four-way stop sign there or something. But I, th I think it's too much. I, I myself living there. For, for I think we need, like the guy said, some uh, some restaurants or a gas station Taco Bell thing or something. Uh, uh, Circle K there. Uh, we, there's so many people living around there, and everything's so far away, you know. And and you got cherry tree coming in. I don't know what you're going to do with all them, all their stuff. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Mr. Fleming, real quick, uh, the 25 miles an hour you mentioned is that on Churchill, Chemawavy, okay. or McCulloch? If you're going up McCulloch, and here's here's Chemawavy, you go up McCulloch. There's a 25 yellow sign saying Churchill, turning right, you know. So okay, nobody buys this. It, it's a yellow sign. 60 miles an hour. Yeah, perfect. All right, thank you. Hello, Mayor, Council people. Uh, my name is Danny Reed, R-E-E-D, and I've been coming to Lake Havasu since 1971, um, about 13 years old. Uh, I love this city. I'm a full-time resident now. I retired in uh, 2021. I owned a house here for 20 years. I was a 25 percenter, they call them. Those are the people that own houses that don't live here full-time, whether snowbirds or people like me uh, that lived out of town and come here on vacation. Um, my house was, um, if you follow Chimawavy up the map, just past McCulloch, I was on the corner of Aloha and Chimawavy there. The next one, up, up, the next one, right there. I owned that for 20 years. I bought it brand new. I was, the houses all across the street from me were all empty lots when I bought that house. It was being built by, by a contractor when I bought it. Um, I, uh, I sold it at the end of 2021, and the reason I sold it is because I wanted to put an RV garage and a pool there and finish uh, what I needed to do. It was a, it's a three-bedroom, three-bath house. It's only 1,550 square feet. Um, didn't think about that when I bought it for $137,000 <laughs> uh, in 2020, I guess it was 2022 um, or 2021. Um, but I'm back with uh, the gentleman just spoke before me. Uh, the 25% or 30% of the time that I was here, I don't know how many accidents I saw in that corner of Chimawavy and McCulloch. We would sit there uh, in the wintertime with the doors open and stuff, and I'd hear screeches, I'd hear crashes, I'd run down there to the corner, all the neighbors would to help people. Um, McCulloch is, what, 35 miles an hour? We all know nobody does 35 miles an hour, okay? Um, I, I admit sometimes I'm at 40 miles an hour, people are on my rear end going up and down McCulloch. I know they police it. Um, I know a friend who just got a ticket for doing 49 uh, miles an hour on McCulloch a few months ago. Um, but uh, my biggest concern is the traffic there. It does need a light or at least a four-way stop sign. Um, I think it's, uh, as far as this other lady was talking about, it's going, as, uh, making people making their decisions to go down to uh, the markets and stuff like that. I doubt live right off of um, uh, uh, Thunderbolt behind Bashes. And I'll tell you, it's nice to go two blocks to the store and not drive all the way down. I know it's not that far. But um, anyways, that's my concern is the, is the traffic there for these uh, residents around there. If this goes through, 
Um, if I still own that property and stuff, I'd be totally against it. Totally against it. It's it's a it's a elephant in a in a room, and it's uh, too much traffic, too much people. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, the next. Uh, uh, one more thing. <laughs> so when my friend who stood up before me, uh, we both ride uh, motorcycles, Harley Davidsons, and coming out of that street in our car or whatever, like another gentleman said, sometimes you had to wait five, ten minutes to get across there, and you had to like look, 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 look. Okay, let's go. You know what I mean? Because especially in the morning with everybody's going to school and work and everything in the afternoon, I just wanted to bring that up. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hello, council members. My name is Angela Murphy. I have been a property owner in Havasu for about 18 years. And uh, boy, has this meeting been eye-opening. We have learned so much information, including the 49-foot wall and the other properties for sale that could possibly fit this project a little better. Um, and the 200 plus rentals, I think that's what I heard earlier, that are available. And I kind of want to talk to that. Pre-COVID, there was plenty of availability for rentals. COVID happened and everything tightened up. The rental market became absolutely crazy. I own several properties. I know this personally. The dynamics of COVID changed Havasu. We're not in the pandemic anymore. We are post-pandemic. Everything is coming back to what I consider normal except for the fact that our property values are not lowering, which is okay by me. Uh, let's see. I want to ask you a question. I have been to city meetings before, and I've seen like three, four, maybe ten people in the audience. Does this have an impact on you, seeing all these people that are definitely affected by this? And like it was said before, there are many people that are not in the room that are absolutely affected by this. This is a monstrosity. And people are driven by fear. And high density equals criminal activity, in my opinion. My renters have informed me if this passes, my long-term renters will be leaving. I may consider selling. It will change the dynamic of the entire neighborhood, which currently is former police, former fire, very tight-knit group. This was meant for C1. That's why I bought the property in the yellow highlighted area. And when on February 14th, you changed it to high density, we were all appalled because it wasn't meant to be high-density residential. An 85% variance. On another one of my properties where I currently live, it's a duplex with a, not a no common wall, I asked for a five-foot variance so I could separate them, sell half of it, and call them little houses, 1,100 square foot little houses. Denied. Completely denied. I've heard that in the past that others were denied for small, nothing requests that made sense. At least in my opinion, it made sense. That is all I have on my notes. 
Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. And I do hope that you take all of us into consideration when the seven of you are making this decision because it matters. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, if you just want to state your name for the record. My name is Nancy Clapp, uh, mayor, council members. Um, I've been to three of these meetings regarding this development. Um, one when it was just in the little building on McCullough, the last planning and zoning. And what I find appalling is luckily we're here in front of you guys today because these guys have been sneaky. They've known it's been 50 feet the entire time, and this is the only time that that's come up in any meeting. So why have that, they not been truthful, and what else are they hiding? To me, that's very concerning that it took them to admit it in front of you guys and not the public when we've been in front of them before. Um, this gentleman bought commercial, right? And then he bought commercial wanting council to change every rule there was to fit his development. Well, I can tell you, I live in the area. I bought a home 20 years ago, or actually had it built. Um, I wanted 10-foot garage doors on my house. I couldn't get a two-foot variance. I had to dig down two feet because I was tied to a 15-foot height. So, I mean, I couldn't get two feet. The other lady couldn't get five feet. How many other regular people are in this town that are getting denied? But he wants an 85% increase. That's too big. I mean, he just admitted it's 50 feet. That's five stories. That's not three stories. That's five. You know, um, a question, is there going to be parking on McCullough? No, there's no planned parking on, on McCulloch right now. So where where's the excess go if they can't park on McCullough? Is it both sides of McCullough they can't park on or just the side of the apartment? Yeah, for this development, there's 120 parking spots that are being proposed. Okay, well, there's 78 request. units proposed. Say everybody mm -hmm. has two. I mean, we know because they don't even fit under the new parking rule. So, so on McCullough, there will be no parking for the overflow. That's not suggested in what the action is this evening, no. Okay. And I guess my, um, my last thing is... I mean, we're kind of coming and asking questions, and you guys are saying, well, we don't know. We haven't really gotten all the information. I mean, it, how do you approve something if you don't really know what the outcome is? I mean, I'm a little, or am I misunderstanding, but it seems like people have asked questions, and, well, we haven't gotten the drawings, or we haven't gotten the final plan. I mean, how do you approve a change if you don't know what it is? Yeah, it's a, it's a zoning hearing, so we're doing it's well, a land use action, and then building permits are separate from that. So is this appropriate to have a multifamily development is what we're talking about this evening. Okay, so anyways, that's all I got to say, but uh, I'm definitely against it. It's too high density for that area. Thank you. Thank you. I'm still waiting for the rails at the, the dock. Uh, Rain's Frankie Lyons. Um, resident here since 2004. I've seen the good, the bad, and the oh my God for out of this council and out of our community. What I'm hearing from them is it's okay to put little houses in there. You can put 60 of them in there. You're still not gonna have your parking. You still have to change it to residential. My point of view is I work with Veterans United Arizona and United Way and a couple of the other organizations who take calls every day of the month for people who are sleeping in their homes, that have people sleeping in the garages, have people sleeping in cars, 
They're on our streets, behind the back alleys, behind the trash cans, and out in the desert because there's not affordable housing for them. If this is going to be affordable housing, it'd be something that we can look at. Um, to turn somebody away because they've got two kids that are under five that are sleeping in their car because both parents work and they can't afford to put a roof over their head is just unbelievable. So if they're going to do affordable housing, that's one thing. Um, and I think this city needs to do it. If it's going to be residential, then claim it residential so they can build their little houses, which are going to accommodate the same amount of people and the same amount of cars and the same amount of traffic. Thank you. Hello, my name is Chad Nelson. Last name is spelled N-E-L-S-O-N. Um, I'm going to try to stick to my notes so I don't give a speech. Um, the building is not five stories. Yeah. It's that tall with the grade. Part of it is the grade. Mr. So, Nelson, you just have to address the city council, please. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. So part of it's the grade. So um, the building is not five stories tall. And they, they provided all kinds of diagrams to show you where the dirt was, where the building was. So I'm not understanding why they think there's a ruse there. They gave every single diagram you could possibly imagine to show you where the dirt was and where the building was. The developers are not asking for a height variance. There's no question about height. It's allowed. And if, if they were to build C1, they could go 25 feet. So they could, it, they could build a commercial building there that would be just five feet shorter. And is that much different? Yeah, Mr. Okay. Nelson, you just got to have right, with sorry. us, please. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the, the lot is, is cut and filled. So it's cut down on the cold side, filled on the other side. That's what makes the building higher. It's not a five-story building. Um, if you add, you know, pool, playground, uh, things to do to recreate around there, the cost just goes up. So that's, those are all expenses that make the, the apartments go up in rent. So it's, I mean, you could put it there, but it just makes it a higher, it makes it higher rent. The lots on Bimini and the lots um, behind the fire station, I've, I've, I've searched for every lot. So if you guys have a tomato or the audience had a, have a tomato, you can throw it at me right now because I sold them these lots. And the information that one uh, person came up and talked about the history of when they bought these lots was totally inaccurate. Um, so there's just a lot of facts that are not being presented, but um, it's been a difficult task. And the, the whole intent is pure, is to try to create affordable housing. And I don't mind saying affordable housing. The city, the city yeah. cannot say that. We're being respectful. Okay, yes. but I can. The lots on Bimini, I called on those lots. They are 15 plus million dollars, okay? So no, we can't afford to buy those and build there. Uh, if you can, you should do it. Uh, the lots behind the fire station, um, I called on those to see if we could possibly, if I could propose a, tr a trade. Um, they were not interested in trading, and I don't know 
if anybody's pulled them to see if they want three stories built there either, because that would require a height variance unless we brought brought the land down. Um, I get at least two calls a week about the rentals. I don't know why the MLS is displaying 1,700 rentals. A lot of those are vacation rentals that are just on the market all the time. Um, and a lot of them are overpriced. That's why they're not rented. Um, this meets the parking requirements, so I don't know why we keep going over that. And in addition, there's 49 single bedroom units. So with the remaining 29 units, I don't see why there would be a parking problem in, with mostly one bedroom units. Um, let's see. All of the complexes that were used in the presentation, including the one at Bashes, I've been to all of those complexes uh, day and night during the day. You'll find that those parking lots are not full because they don't have cars. So a, major, a majority of them do, but not everybody does. So those parking lots are never full. Um, and I'm not sure why the complex by Bashes was not brought up, because that's an important one. Um, there are no single-family residence lots around this area. They're all R2. Everything in yellow is R2. It's all zoned R2. Okay. Yeah, please, we're, can, we're having you, a high conversation. We're you can ask Chris the if they're zoned R2 or not. According to the map, they are. Um, I have a hard time believing that, that people don't understand the impact of commercial property. I'm the only one that's gotten that. I'm not going to sit used, down. Yeah, you've used your time. If you can finish your, your thought. <laughs> yes. Um, I have a hard time understanding why people don't see the impact that commercial would have. I even had a gentleman say that they would rather have a Smith there. That's crazy. There, there would be quadruple the amount of cars. Quadruple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank, you, thank you for your comments, Mr. Nelson. Yeah. yeah your, your time is up, but uh, okay. thank you. So longer waits at restaurants and hospitals? Yeah. Those would get even longer? Mr. Nelson. Yeah. And no commercial to walk to? The, Mr. That Nelson, commercial would be developed. Please, please stop. Mr. Nelson, well, your time is up. Thank okay. you very much. I'm the only one that got the light. Yeah. You, you, yeah. yeah. Uh, next speaker. Yeah. Okay, we were doing so good with the respect part. We need to get back to that, please, okay? I, I know it's elevated, but please, we need to have respect for each other. Sir. Hi, I'm Jerry Sassy. I bought my first house here in 06. Decided to build an RV garage like everybody else, and it's 15 feet. No, 15 feet. No, he left. 15 feet. So if he wants to build something, <clears throat> maybe he should build it 15 feet. Like everybody else, like the whole neighborhood is 15 feet. Um, the other thing is he's not really building affordable housing. He's building apartments. There's a difference. Apartments are just temporary. You don't, people don't, well, maybe some people live in them for a long time, but basically they're, they're temporary. So that's not, I don't think, affordable housing. 
Then the other thing is, I live on Coral Reef. If you go down Coral Reef to, um, I even pull out on Timmy Wavy, that's not real bad because you can see a few little, a few feet. But if you pull out on Aqua, and you go uh, north, that's crazy. I mean, I mean, I, I whenever I won't pull out if my engine's not hot because you need to, you need to get out of there. You look at your rear view mirror, they're on your butt. Um, I guess that's it, but I, I don't think we need something like that in a neighborhood, apartments. They're just generally not the best thing to be living around. And I'm sure there's other places that they can build that or build the single level. It probably won't pencil out, but hey, that's what happens. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to address the city council on this item? Yeah, Mr. Suarez, you just get one opportunity. I'm sorry. Yeah. First, oh, Bonnie Toy. Most importantly, D-backs. Yes, they are four to two right now. Second, when he mentioned the, um, and it's bottom of the seventh or something like that, the um, comparing the complexes, all the in the comparison of the complexes, I have a friend who lives over on Swanson and um, in that area that, I don't know which one it is, Swan 2010 area. She lives in that area. And yesterday morning, she was walking to work, 5 o'clock in the morning. All the construction workers were parked on Swanson Avenue. She could not see safely past the construction working cars that were, they were all blocking her way. The safety of that, of her walking to work. And the funny thing is, again, so many people have mentioned that that whole area of Delta Avenue, Chimawavy, there's no jobs in that area. Unlike these areas right here that have our comparison. So you're comparing unfortunately, apples to oranges, you're not comparing where you have the residential actually next to the commercial, I guess. I mean, more or apartment complex next to already residential. And I happen to know somebody who lives really close to an apartment complex that was started out as two stories and then it built up to three stories all of a sudden out of the blue really took away their fireworks view during the fireworks on fourth of july it really stinks hate that they did that to that person and i was wondering has there been an environmental impact study done to that area and did it include the fact that the Planning and Zoning Commission just approved the window rocks, um, window rock, window estates development? And the traffic study that you have done, is that window rock development study also included with this one? The, tra the traffic. How are you protecting future citizens? Yes, my question is, how are you protecting future citizens? 
Yeah, we're here considering a zoning use change, Ms. Toy, and uh, yes. there was a traffic study that was done as it pertains to this development directly. Uh, right. there, there may be one required for additional developments outside of the scope of what we heard this evening for, uh, but uh, we are taking into account the traffic that this particular project would, uh, would bring to that neighborhood. But that doesn't, so that does not include the Window Rock development, which is a huge development just around the corner and up the street. It's specific to this project. Correct. That, so it's not including the Window Rock. So again, how are you protecting? It's not, it's not now. The citizens now are not being affected. It is the ones 20 years from now that are going to be affected by the decisions you make today, you know, the whole, yeah. if you can prepare for it, plan for it. Right now I'm forgetting the quote that I've heard often. And I was just wondering, the rezone makes a difference in your whole parking. So that's why you have to be, I don't know how you're protecting the future of this, the future citizens. And that's where my question is. Yeah, Ms. Toy, I offered you what I, what I have available for you right now. So the, the traffic study is specific to this development as, as that we're talking about this evening. Okay. So it's not for the future. It's for today. You can interpret that any way you would like. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, uh, Ms. Williams, could you uh, just check your light indicator box? It, it seems to be going from green to red right, right away. Thank you. Next. My name is Daniel Finch, F-I-N-C-H. Um, just full disclosure, I have very, very dear friends on both sides of this issue. Um, I do want to uh, uh, address more of a, a general need that this town has. I moved here in 1989. I was a 19-year-old kid. Uh, I have been in the hospitality business my entire life. My, I, I've served in this town. I've worked at line-level positions, management positions, and now a business owner. This town has been very, very good to me. And when I moved in this town, I lived in an apartment. That Then I rented a house and then I was able to purchase my house. So apartments are considered affordable housing. That was my home, and that is a first step. I have uh, now my business employs uh, about 65 people in the hospitality industry, and I know that their struggle is real. I have three children. I want them to have the same opportunity that I had. I would love for them to be in this town. Two of them have had to move away. I'm holding on to the youngest as tight as I can. Um, it is tough. There is not affordable housing in this town. They just they just can't make it. Um, you know, the, the, the margins of my business are, are razor thin. And with the wages continuing to climb and costs going up, we, the, the struggle is real. And I know many members on this council are, are uh, sensitive to that. The point I want to make is that whether it's this development or whether it's somewhere else, we have a, a responsibility to provide the same opportunities that we had. 
that, that those of us that have been here a long time, for myself, I was a young punk kid that just kind of worked his way through the, through the system, and, and here I am uh, as a homeowner and a, and a business owner. I, I love this town. I want my children, I want everybody's children to have the same opportunity I did. And, man, the pandemic really, really screwed up the, the housing market, uh, and, and rents went crazy people cashed out and I get it those people have bigger nuts to crack the rents had to go up we need to do something and that need has been here a long time and I think it's up to us I think it's up to all of us that we have the responsibility to provide that equal opportunity for the younger generation and those that are working here I've had people leave my business because they've had to move out of state that they had to go somewhere else uh, there are constant I have a bulletin board in my business where my employees there's constantly asking for roommates they're doing everything that they can to survive and be able to have a place to live so people are trying to make a difference the Darus are trying to make a difference if it's not here you know, maybe, maybe it's not. Again, I have, I have friends on both sides of the issue, I re, I re, and they're very, very dear friends. <laughs> but we have that responsibility, and that's, what I, that's the only statement I wanted to make. Thank you. Thank you. Trevor Best, B-E-S-T. Um, I just want to be brief. I know a gentleman uh, a little bit ago mentioned that uh, everything around in yellow was zoned R2. Well, it is zoned R2, but there are single-family residents that live in that R2 area. There's multiple single-family residents. I am a single-family resident that lives in that R2 zoned area. Uh, me and my wife, um, actually, we have four kids that live with us now. Um, so I just oppose it. I just want to be on record saying oppose it. Uh, it's going to create too much traffic. Um, you know, you want to put a... Uh, um, commercial building in those areas, what they were uh, designed for, what they were originally zoned for, I think that's great. I think we all bought our properties knowing that. Um, none of us would be up here uh, to dispute it if that was the case because we bought these properties knowing that that's what it would be. Um, on Delta, the way those lots are set up from what I can see, um, the reason that they're able to build 50 feet up from the street on Delta is because they're going to combine that into one lot and they're going to use the grade at McCulloch from what I'm assuming. If you built a, uh, using those lots on Delta, at the bottom of Delta, uh, my understanding is the height wouldn't be that high if you were to build a commercial building there. Um, so there is a difference as far as uh, what you can build now and what you can build if that, those, those lots are combined into one. So, you know, I just feel like um, it's not a good place to put this particular building um, there is no amenities around this area. Um, I would say probably the closest amenities are at uh, Jamaica and uh, McCulloch, which is a coffee shop and a convenience store and, and a Dollar General. So um, other than that, there's just nothing nothing in this area uh, for people. And to build amenities there, that'd be great. I think we would all um, much rather see that. Uh, that's all I got. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to address the City Council during the public hearing? Uh, yeah, please. <laughs> uh, Brett, B-R-E-T, D-E-R-U. I currently own that property that's uh, up for rezoning. Pardon me? Nobody can hear me? Yeah, okay. talk a little bit louder. Thank you. Yeah. So anyway, um, 
I just want to say, I've been here 35 years. I've owned, I've owned my business for 35 years um, with my family. And we, uh, we struggle at times, as Brother Finch says, with employees. In fact, the last four years I've struggled. Um, I can't grow my business because I have people come here and they can't pay 48 to 52% of their income for some place to live, so they have to move somewhere else. I think we all know that impact. Anybody that owns a business is, can understand that. Um, example is you go, to a, you go to a restaurant, you walk in, and I think everybody's been this way. You walk in and you say, oh, there's four or five tables there, right? We're going to get right in. Doesn't happen. And you ask them why, and I always do. And they say, well, we can't find anybody. I say, well, you can't find anybody. Well, nobody can afford to live here, right? So I purchased this piece of property genuinely because I'm going to be in this town until I see the dirt. I love Palais Cavasu. And I understand and I appreciate everybody's comments tonight. But we have to put it somewhere, right? And there's not pieces of property left, I'm telling you. I've, I've, I've searched and searched because I genuinely want to have a workforce in my generation, my grandkids and their kids, to be able to stay here and work here and, and thrive in this town. Um, I don't want to see them move away because of, of this. So I, I know we need a, a vision. I hope that vision can come to light and make it happen. I know, you, I know we can never make everybody 100% completely happy about what's happening, but I'm proposing this today to try to help those that are younger, 19, 20, whatever, they got two kids. And I, I generally, in probably a month, I'll have people come to work for me. They live in the desert because they can't afford to live, and then they leave when it's too hot. I, my business, my business is stagnating out because I can't, I can't grow. Which I would hire 15 to 20 guys right now, and I always have for the last couple of years. It doesn't happen because they can't. Once they figure out they can't live here, they got to go somewhere else. So, I, I appreciate everybody's comments tonight. Appreciate council. I know it's been long, so I'll, I'll stop. Unless you got some questions for me. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Duro. Do remember, you know, what we'll do is we'll, we'll hear the rest of the testimony okay. and then we'll, if we have okay. questions uh, um, as council de deliberates um, afterwards, we'll bring it back up. Did, did you want to say a few words? Good evening, everybody. My name is Rob Sampson uh, with Selberg Associates. Uh, in fairness, uh, we are uh, working with the developer, but I'm here also as a, as a business owner, longtime resident. Uh, we have an issue in this town, and you guys have all heard it tonight. The ones who say yes, you know, it's not in their backyard. I, I truly get that. The ones that say no, I mean, they have all their, they have good reasons why they don't want it there. Uh, the issue is, is from a business owner standpoint, I, I've heard a couple comments, pay more. We do pay more. It's still a tough place to live. I mean, what job are you going to go and apply for in Lake Havasu City that's going to pay you $106,000 a year if you're a single mother? And I, please, if you're paying it, let me know. I got people who want to come work for you. That's the issue here. This issue, the city has, has petitioned many prominent business owners and uh, entities in this town to build this very product. Opportunity has come knocking, and we're hearing, no, we don't want this. It's the wrong place. It's the wrong time. It's the wrong neighborhood. Uh, truthfully, 
when I hire employees, the first thing they ask me is, where am I going to live? I'm hiring intelligent, college-educated people who expect a quality of life. Lake Havasu is that quality of life, but only if you can afford a $500,000 house. If it's not, you don't have that quality of life. Why not? Is it fair to sit up here and say, hey, we're all successful business owners, not our problem? It is your problem, and it's my problem, and it's everybody in here's problem. I like to go have a beer once in a while. I like to go out and patronize restaurants. And for every reason that we've already said, there's just not enough people that can afford to live here. And when they're all getting up and leaving, you guys have an opportunity to, to contemplate a decision which won't make everybody happy. There is about 125 people in this room that do not want this to go through today. There's 51,000 people that I know of in Lake Havasu that aren't here to discuss this with you and tell you what they feel. Because historically, people in favor of these things or who are indifferent do not care. They don't come out. The people who do have vested interests and they come out, and they should. That's democracy, and we love that about America. This is the United States. We love it here. So anyway, in closing, you guys have, don't have an easy decision, and thank God I'm not sitting on your side of the table because this is not an easy way to, to, to go. I hope you guys uh, you know, have the wisdom and, and can make a good decision here, and, and obviously we respect whatever you say. Thank you. Thank you. What I'd also like to address the council at the public hearing. Right. Uh, seeing now, we're going to go ahead and close the public hearing. We'll bring it back to council for uh, discussion uh, questions. We have uh, the applicant, the applicant's uh, representative, of course, Mr. Gilbert, uh, to go through um, uh, the testimony that we heard this evening and answer any questions before we uh, consider or entertain a motion. Do any council members have any comments? All right, Vice Mayor Lane. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I'll go ahead and start the conversation. And, and I'm going to start this with my thoughts that I am for this project. And, and I'm going to tell you why I'm for this project. One, this came before us all the way back in February. And when it came before us, we, we heard what everybody had to say. We listened intently. And we didn't vote on it. And we didn't vote on it on purpose to give the developer or the, the property owner some time to work out some things. And they did. They, they made a lot of changes. And they're not asking for anything other than a, um, a, a density, the amount of apartments. They're not talking about a height change. They're not talking about parking changes. All they want is the amount of apartments that they have. And if I remember correctly from the last time they were here, they said they will probably never see a profit in their lifetime on this property. And now, excuse me. Excuse me, I never interrupted a single one of you. Please do not interrupt me when I'm speaking. So, what they have done, they are not developers. They are business owners here in town that cannot find a way to figure out how to get their employees into housing. So what they are proposing is that they will build an apartment complex so that their employees and other employees will have a place to live. They're not looking to make the profit. That's what they said. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. That's what they told us. So if that's what they said, I have a tendency to believe them just like I believe all of you. Now, when it comes to this particular property, we talked about whether or not there's stores local or how many cars they're each going to have. This is a property rezone on whether or not we're going to allow an apartment complex. We also, as a city council, can't think about just this one property. 
we have to think globally, or in, in this case, the entire city. What is best for the entire city? You've heard from people, we can't hire employees. I know for a fact the city just lost a police officer because he came here and said, I can't afford to live there. You can talk to any business owner, and I'm not a business owner. I own nothing in this town other than my own home. I've never worked in this town other than what I'm doing here on the city council. We can't get employees. I talk to business owners constantly that are saying, I cannot hire an employee because they can't find a place to live. I've had people accept positions. They can't find a place to live. So for the city as a whole is having an apartment complex like this, what this city needs. Absolutely. You heard from the property owner who said, we look for other properties. We can't find one. They would be more than happy to build it somewhere else if they could, but they can't. So do that, does that mean they just throw in the towel and say, you know what, I'm just going to close up my business and all my employees will be out of business and we'll move somewhere else? No, they came up with a plan. The citizens that live around there didn't like the plan, so we didn't vote on it. We gave it back to them. They came back and said, you know what, all those variances we asked for, we're not asking for them anymore other than the amount of apartments. We're not asking for height changes. We're not asking for parking changes. So for the, my thoughts are for the betterment of this city and the employees that need to have a place to work, I think this is a great project. And I think it's in a great place. It's right on a busy street. It's not in the middle of a residential area. So yeah. Yeah. It's, what I'm saying is it's on a busy street, not the small, narrow streets. You're on McCulloch Boulevard. Is it residential? Sure it is. And that's what this is, is residential. That property owner could take right now, if we said no, and build a Fairfield Inn extended living stay and put their employees in there, and it would never come before any of us because it's zoned to do that right now. So uh, that's not... Yeah, please. Please do not interrupt me. That's all I have to say, Mayor. Thank you. I'm for the project. Yeah, thank you, Vice Mayor Lane. Before we go on to additional feedback or questions from Council, could we address the height? It's, is it 39 feet is the building, or there, there was some confusion with, with 50 feet? It's 39 feet of building. Excuse me. I'm asking Mr. Gilbert. We, we listened to your comments. We're now deliberating based on the comments. So please, we, the folks at home cannot hear what you're saying. So let's get back to the respect side. We're, we're here to listen, but we need to be able to answer these questions freely. Uh, Mr. Gilbert, yeah, is that something you could answer? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, by our code, the way even with residential properties, the, the max grade is measured from the front of the property, which is McCulloch. It's the front of this. Uh, once the lots are combined, that's why it's a requirement before any permits are issued. They'll be combined in one parcel. The front will be McCulloch, and the high point is uh, at a certain point, and that is happens to be 12 feet above where the um, where the finished grade is going to be. Mm -hmm. So that is a with the RM zone, which is 30 foot base plus the 12, it's 42 feet. But when you cut, you, you have to fill on a long building like that. And so at the southwest corner, there's going to be a slight raise as a result of that, moving the dirt over here to here. Mm -hmm. So based, based upon the uh, max grade off of McCulloch, the building meets our code. But if you're the person, as was brought up, if you're the person residing on the southwest side of the development here, you're going to have a view of a much taller building than what the person on this side of McCulloch is going to see. 
Sure, I understand that. So uh, the down by on Delta, uh, that's 30, uh, 39 feet is the taller view. And up on McCulloch, that is. Well, the, the height of the building from finished grade is going to be 39 feet 6 inches for the parapet sections. And then the ground will slope away further uh, down to the property line. And then across the street, it drops even further. So the resident to the southwest of the building is going to, their perceived height mm -hmm. is going to be higher than 39 feet okay. 6 inches because of the grade drop from the foundation. Okay. Mr. Mayor, yeah, I, and I, I think the confusion we're running into is we're going to have a, a certain 12, I don't know, maybe you can give us, how big is that retaining wall? There's going to be a retaining wall there, and then it's going to start the building height. So we're not talking about a 50-foot building height. We're talking about so many feet of retaining wall, and then to where it's level with the actual property, and then they're going the 39. You're maybe correct. you can give us those exact so numbers. Right now it's designed, so we have a 12-foot retaining wall along McCulloch, and then we have roughly... Uh, eight to nine foot retaining wall along the intersection of the alley and delta and it zeroes out to about two feet at the, where the bulb is on delta and that's about where it catches grade probably about one lot up delta hit it to mcculloch <clears throat> i just want to bring some clarities um the reason why it sits like this is we had the neighborhood meeting and the neighbor stressed the location of the entrance to the apartments they wanted it to be as close to McCulloch as possible. So to be able to do that, it's got to be higher. The grade, you know, it's got to come up. So if we drop it down, the interest goes far down delta, we can lower the grade <coughs> to be less impactful along the alley in delta if that entrance slides down delta. But the residents didn't want that. They wanted it close to, to McCulloch to try to limit the traffic of pass-through Going, taking a left out of the entrance and going all around to Mwavy, trying to get everybody to go out right to McCulloch. So that's why that's how the elevation came about. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for for that clarification. Uh, Councilmember Dole, did you have comments or questions? Or you... I'd like to make, make my comments. Uh, yeah, please. Yes. Um, if you go on, uh, Mike. yeah, thank you. I want to thank the Drews. I know this is a lot of work, and I do generally feel that your heart's in the right place. And you know, as all business owners, we definitely have that. It's definitely an issue. Um, I guess my biggest concern is is it's a zoning issue, and it was a zoning issues last time, and I, I was a no last time because it was it's too much right there. I mean, I love the idea if we could strip a floor down. I know there's a certain max that you need to 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 make the investment side of it work, um, but I was a no vote then just because it, like I said, it is it is a lot of building to me in the wrong place, um, and I, I still feel like. Yeah, we made some changes, but it's still it's still it's just the wrong area for that size. I mean, I would like to see maybe we can rework it. I, we're just we're trying to get a lot out of there, and it's, I know it's not a 50 foot, it's not five stories, but yeah, if you're on Delta looking at that way, you're looking at a nine to 10 foot retaining wall, and then you're looking, you, it's it's just a huge building that we there's no precedent in my opinion that we put this anywhere else. We put a three four story building down on McCulloch, and everybody thought we were crazy. So. I, for me, unfortunately, it still is that zoning issue, and it's just it's just too much of a monster for that area for the impact. So I, I, I hope that maybe we could reutilize this area where, like I said, I mean, I've, we've had other communities that don't want tiny homes, don't want anything, but this is like the biggest possible thing we can fit in that tiny little area. And with traffic, I just, I, like I said, I still, I still feel the way I felt when we discussed this in, in February. It's just, it's the wrong site. I'd love to see it somewhere else. I hope we can make it work somewhere else. I know that's not 
what we want to hear, and it's not the most realistic, but to me, this is just too much for that area. So that's my input. Yeah, thank you. Any other questions, comments, thoughts from members of the council? Councilmember Moses? Uh, no, it, it, uh, truly, from the bottom of my heart, this has been one of the hardest, uh, hardest things I've heard. And, and I've struggled with it a lot. Um, I struggled with it a lot the first time. I'm struggling a lot with it today. Um, because I'm a, you know, I'm a personal property rights guy. Uh, my natural instinct is to argue for Mr. Drew to do what he wants on his land, as long as it doesn't affect anybody around him, just like I'd argue for the gentleman who built a single-family home in an R2-zoned area. I believe you should be able to do what you want with your land within reason. And so that's where we're at right now. We're trying to find that reason and what's, what's okay. Um, Workforce housing has been something that I've been very concerned with for a very long time. Um, I have a very unique perspective because I get to work with a lot of these people who are looking for apartments. And they don't have a lot of cars. They, they share rides to work. They don't need to worry about where their boat gets parked. Um, they, they need a house. And yes, it is going to be transitional housing. It's, that's what apartments are. I've sat on the PED board now for two years and um, what the, the biggest thing that came out of our housing needs assessment was that we don't have this type of living, can, uh, living arrangements where people can build their careers and build their families and grow into those regular um, homes. Um, this is a need. And this is the first developer that would come and bring, a, bring forward a solution. So for that reason alone, I'm thankful for the Darus. Um, I have, um, through one of the city conferences we went to, I, I ran into a company that does LIHTC um, housing, which is big apartment buildings that we see in, in the cities and um, really well-constructed, beautiful apartment homes. Um, and I, I, rec I recruited them to come to Havasu. Hey, come look at Havasu. This is a huge need. We need you out here. And um, I worked with um, uh, the PED, and we recruited, and we, got them, we even got them to open, to take a phone call and look at some of our lots. They concluded there, there was nothing. There was nothing. There is no lots here that are affordable enough to build the type of development they want to do. It's just not there. Literally, the Bimini pro property, 100%. We, we, we looked at that property. And uh, when I say we, uh, they looked at that property. I, I, we, we, we presented that to them as an option. It's too expensive to be able to get something that is affordable. Um, I, I, I think I'm going to be for this. Um, I, I appreciate that the first time around that they came and came made some adjustments as far as height goes. Uh, well, they've made some adjustments as far as the density is, uh, went. That was one of my biggest concerns, um, what density looks like, um, just because from a perspective, you know, we are essentially doubling our standard. I think the reason why we're in the predicament we're in in the first place is because our standard is really low. And that's okay. That's by design, so that we can find the perfect place for, for instances like this. But 20 is, is uh, really low. 
and then the height maximums are really low too. And that's why we don't have a lot of apartment complexes in this town. And that's why we've kind of created our own housing issue. Um, I'm for this project. I think it'll be a good buffer from the R2 to the C1. I see the C1 getting developed um, as, it, as it, it was intended, Robert McCulloch, all those years ago, um, because commercial follows, follows housing. And there's going to be some density that would support some of those stores that everyone's talking about. Maybe a little market here, um, stuff like that that could service the community and be an asset. Um, workforce needs stuff like this, and um, honestly, this is one of the hardest decisions I've made in my uh, short term here on council. I appreciate every single one of your people, every one of your inputs. Um, Nothing has fallen on deaf ears. I've heard every single one of you. Um, just understand that this is what I believe is best for Lake Havasu. Thank you. Any other questions or comments from members of Councilmember Koch? Thanks, Mayor. Um, thanks to everyone here this evening. Um, you know, just keep in mind, I know sometimes when we're sitting in these rooms, and I've been in your chair for many a times prior to being on the council, and it's not just the people that are sitting in this room tonight that contact us regarding these issues. We hear from them all the time via phone and email, and I appreciate that as well. I also happen to work at one of the largest employers in the city, and I talk to people all day long. Unfortunately, a lot of these people that I work with are the people that are in dire need of housing like this, and that we are in dire need of in this community to help take care of us. And unfortunately, those are some of the people that don't even make enough money to live in even some of our rental properties in the community. And it's a hard issue. And I know the last three election cycles, the number one topic has been affordable housing. It, we can't deny it. It's, it's been here. It's, it's a problem. And we have someone trying to come forward to help with a solution. Is it guaranteed? Absolutely not. But it's our responsibility to take chances and to try to fix a problem if we can. And the city can't build apartments, um, but if we can afford them the opportunity to try to take care of our, some of our citizens and fill some of the positions that we direly need in this community as resources for us, I think we have to be open to that opportunity. Um, I said last meeting, I live in this area. Uh, this is my neighborhood too. Um, but having said that, I understand the need, and I've heard from a lot of people for and against, and again, we make hard decisions on this side of the dais, and they're not always the popular decision by everybody in the room, but we have to all keep in mind that just because you were able to be here tonight does not mean everybody was able to be here tonight. And we hear from a lot of people on a lot of projects. So I appreciate all the comments. I appreciate everybody letting everyone talk and, and being respectful for the most part. That is hard. And I know sometimes we don't like what others are saying. It's hard to keep that in. Um, but again, I was here the night of the, the last meeting where we did not take a vote, and I see that the developer came back and made some concessions to try to have some compromise. And I think that's, as neighbors, what we all need to do with each other. As citizens, as residents of this city that we love, we have to be good neighbors, be good neighbors and be respectful. And so um, I'm going to support this project tonight, and I hope that 
the developer is true to the word and I hope that this project is successful and I hope the neighborhood is successful because once again, I live there. So um, that would be my comments, Mayor. Yeah, thank you, Councilmember Koch. Any additional comments or questions? Yeah, Vice Mayor Lane? I'm so, I'll make a motion. Oh, okay. Unless somebody else has comments. Yeah, does, yeah. so it looks like we're ready to entertain a motion. All right. I move to adopt ordinance 23-1321, approving a planned development rezone of 740 730, 720, 710, 700, and 670 Delta Drive, and 681, 691, and 701 McCulloch Boulevard South from Limited Commercial District C1 to Multifamily Plan Development District RMPD and permitting a maximum density increase from 20 dwelling units per acre to 37.1 units per acre with the following conditions. One. Final detailed site development plans shall be submitted for city staff review that substantially match the conceptual development plan prior to issuance of building permits. This includes documents for design review and compliance with the city public works department's request, requested traffic improvements. Substantial deviations from the conceptual development plan shall require new public hearings with new public notice given. Two, all lots included in this plan development shall be combined into one property and any easement location issues resolved with the utility companies prior to issuance of building permits. Second. second. We have a motion from Vice Mayor Lane and a second from Councilmember Koch. Is there any additional discussion? Uh, before we vote, I just would like to say thank you to the neighborhood for coming out, having this discussion, uh, listening intently, being respectful. Uh, we, we appreciate it. That's what uh, what we're here to do in those actions uh, going forward. And thank you to the Darus for, for bringing this forward and bringing some sort of a solution together. Uh, with no additional comments, we're ready to vote. Motion carries four to three. Thank you. Item 7.7 .7 is introduce uh, ordinance number 23-1319, amending Lake Havasu City Code section chapter 3.20.040, schedule of fees and service charges to update costs recovered. Ms. Olson. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor and Council. Annually, the city goes through the process of reviewing the fees and charges as is written in our code and required by our code. Um, typically, uh, one year we will, staff will actually sit down and calculate the cost of each of the services that we provide and to determine what the actual cost is and then apply our cost recovery rates to those. Um, then. The following two years, we increase those rates, or we at least acknowledge what CPI is for those um, changes, potential changes for that third year when we will sit down and, and recalculate the fees again so that the CPI will help us keep up with whatever our cost changes might be according to the costs that we're incurring as a business. This is the second year. Um, last year, we there was a CPI increase of 13.85%. Um, council did um, increase the fees. There was um, concern by staff that perhaps if we did not, that there might be a cumulative effect um, with the high inflation that we were incurring. 
So this year we took a look at CPI and it came back as 10%. However, we know that next year we will be sitting down and recalculating the fees again. So staff as, as a, a compromise and to try to minimize the amount of the increases on the fees are proposing or recommending to council that we perhaps have a 5% instead of a 10% increase this year to help us keep pace with the changes we're seeing in our costs. Um, and then we can true those up next year with the actual calculations. Will we hit the mark on all the fees? No. Will we hit it on some? Probably. Um, it'll depend on the fee. So our costs will go up in some areas more than it goes up in others. But we think this is something that we could apply across the board and try and minimize the impact this year and next year as well. So with that, um, I will be happy to answer any of the questions. The departments are here if you want to discuss any of their proposed changes. Um, you will see in the table that we provided, we indicated um, the fee that we're recommending to be effective January 1st of 2024. And then you can see the difference column that we put out there so that you can more quickly at a glance see what the change in that fee might be. So with that, I will turn it back to you, Mr. Mayor, and answer any questions. Thank you, Ms. Olson. Are there any questions uh, for members of the council for Ms. Olson on this item? So it's uh, no surprise I, uh, this is my favorite item that comes before us. Um, so uh, the, uh, in December of last year, of course, as Ms. Olson indicated, we uh, had a discussion about uh, the raising, uh, rising cost of inflation and in, in the CPI. Uh, at that time, uh, staff brought it to us. This is the actual correct cycle right now. So what's in front of us now is the cycle in which the council uh, wants to see it. But, you know, rightfully so, the staff brought it before council, um, you know, back in December for consideration. Uh, but we are now on the right cycle. And then, as Ms. Olson indicated, next year they'll true it up, which is how we want to be able to really set the rate. So it's really the cost of, of delivery. Like, how much does it really cost us to process that business license or uh, run a parks and rec program or whatever the cost or fee may be? Uh, we're now back on that cycle. So it seems it was rapid to me when I saw it come back before us again. I feel like we just had this conversation. It's literally been a whole year, um, shockingly, by the time this would go back into effect. So any questions before I open the public hearing? All right, this is a public hearing. Would anyone like to address the city council on this item? Seeing none, we'll close the public hearing, bring it back to council for uh, discussion or a possible motion. Here. Councilmember Coke. Motion. Please. I move to introduce ordinance number 23-1319 amending Lake Havasu City Code section 3.20.040. Second. We have a motion from Councilmember Coke and a second from Vice Mayor Lane. Is there any additional discussion? Seeing none, we're ready to vote. Motion carries seven to zero. Thank you. Item 7.8 is approve a sole source purchase of a recondition and rebuild of the clamp press belt filter press and on-site services for the North Regional Treatment Plant from Alpha Laval Inc. Mr. Fernando. <coughs> Are you on a microphone, Mr. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor and City Council. Um, here is an aerial view of our North Regional Wastewater Treatment Plant which is located at the Wheeland Drive near the airport. 
This plant was placed on service in October 2006. Hard to believe it is already 17 years old. Uh, the belt filter press was one of the original components of this treatment plant. No major repair was performed during its life. This press is located in the north end of the Headworks building. It's right over here. Here's a picture of the bell press. It is used in the wastewater plants for dewatering the biosolids generated during the treatment process. Chemically conditioned solids are fed onto the bell press and water is extracted. Here's a closer look. The belts, rollers, and many other parts are at the end of their useful life. Uh, here's the dewatered product from the press we call cake, which is disposed of at the landfill. Alpha Lavelle is the manufacturer of this belt press. I would like to ask your approval of the sole source purchase to recondition and rebuild this equipment so we can bring it back to the optimal performance. Thank you. Thank you for your report. I think you do a disservice to real chocolate cake to uh, <laughs> call that a, to call that cake. Yeah. I, I was going to say I think Jim has a birthday coming up. Yeah. I'd like to order one now. <laughs> I know. I know how to take him. <laughs> yeah. The poor name for that. All right. Uh, any questions for Mr. Fernando for members of the council? All right. Uh, this is a public hearing. Would anyone like to address the city council on this item? Seeing none, we'll close the public hearing, bring it back to council for discussion or possible motion. Mayor. Councilmember Moses. Yeah, I move to approve the sole source purchase of a recondition and rebuild of the clam press belt filter press and on-site services for the North Regional Treatment Plant from Alpha Laval Inc. in the amount uh, not to exceed 200000 Second. We have a motion from Councilmember Moses, a second from Councilmember Campbell. Is there any additional discussion? Seeing none, we're ready to vote. Did Diamondbacks win? Motion carries seven to zero. Thank you. Item 7.9 is approve amendment number one and price increases to cooperative purchase agreements and annual expenditures over $50,000 for water and wastewater equipment maintenance <laughs> and repair services with Keller Electrical Industries LLC and Phoenix Pumps Inc. Mr. Fernando. The Wastewater and Water Divisions have utilized a cooperative purchase agreement from the City of Chandler for equipment maintenance and repair services for our pumps, blowers, and uh, motors, and other equipment. The original agreement was approved by the City Council two years ago. Amendment number one is to exercise the first renewal for a two-year period. During the renewal, two vendors Keller Electrical Industries and Phoenix Pump requested price increases. Today, I'm asking the council to approve the first change to contract and price increase. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any questions from members of the council for Mr. Fernando? All right, this is a public hearing. Would anyone like to address? Oh, I'm sorry, Councilmember Lynn? 
Do we have any idea what those price increases are? Yes, the, the increases are basically due to increasing labor cost. And they are uh, about 30% and 35%. Yeah, thank you. And uh, the sufficient funds are available in the budget. So code requires anything, any expenditures over $50,000 to come before city council for yes. approval. And uh, we have funding uh, available in the budget to continue the purchases uh, pending the action this evening. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is a public hearing. Would anyone like to address the city council on this item? Seeing none, we'll close the public hearing, bring it back to council for discussion or possible motion. Mayor, motion. Yeah, Vice Mayor Lane. I move to approve the execution of amendment number one and price increases to the cooperative purchase agreements for water and wastewater equipment, maintenance and repair services, utilizing the city of Chandler, Arizona, contract number PW2-936-4357 through August 31st, 2025, with Keller Electrical Industries, LLC, and Phoenix Pumps, Inc., authorize the city manager to execute the amendments on behalf of the city, authorize city staff to exercise the options to renew through August 31st, 2027, and for the water and wastewater divisions to exceed the $50,000 in annual expenditures for the term of each agreement. Second. We have a motion from Vice Mayor Lane, a second from Councilmember Koch. Is there any additional discussion? Seeing none, we're ready to vote. Motion carries seven to zero. Thank you. All right, our final uh, public hearing of the evening is award bid for janitorial services for the Parks and Recreation Aquatic Center to Advanced Janitorial Services, Inc., and Municipal Court Facilities to Newbie Services LLC, DBA Spruce Goose Janitorial. Mr. Keene. Good evening, Mayor and Council. Yeah, the item uh, in front of you tonight is toward uh, our contract for janitorial services, uh, the Parks and Recreation Aquatics Facility, and the new courthouse. Um, on October 11, 2023, bids were open. Um, four bids for the Aquatic Community Center and uh, two bidders for the courthouse. We'd like to offer the award to Advanced Janitorial Services Incorporated for the janitorial work at the Aquatic Center and Newbie Services LLC doing business as Spruce Goose Janitorial for the uh, courthouse janitorial as well as the post-construction cleanup. With that, I'll take any questions. Thank you, Mr. Keene. Who is, uh, who's currently doing the janitorial services at the aquatic facility? Uh, Dunright Cleaning. Okay. So this would be a new, a new company? Uh, yes, we have used them uh, in the past, but it's been many years. Okay. Are there any questions for uh, members of the council for Mr. Keene? Mr. Mayor. Yeah, Council Member Lynn. Um, on the, um, the courthouse, the one-time amount for post-construction janitorial service, can you tell me what that is? Yeah, what, what exactly that consists of? Yeah, Ms. Lowry is here from uh, the courts. If uh, She'll answer that question for us. Good evening, Mayor, Council. I'm short. Um, so yes, so the post-construction uh, cleaning, that's actually being broken up into two cleanings. We have furniture being delivered, and they're going to come in, and they're going to make sure all the surfaces, because some of our furniture is built in, like the desks and the cubicles, they're actually, that one amount you see is in two separate cleanings, and then one is the grand opening, or the opening cleaning, opening day. So we'll have two separate cleanings in that current price. That is not an annual. That is just the first time 
um, getting in there and making sure all of that. As far as the actual construction site, there, when I say clean, I mean like clean. The, the construction site itself is clean. There's no debris removal. There's nothing they have to do, any of that. That's These are just your basic cleanings. But we wanted to divide the first cleaning up into two separate ones to make sure we weren't putting anything over dust or, or, or brand new furniture on anything that would potentially ruin the integrity of the furniture. Okay, and one other question. So that $75,000 is um, the annual services, so that's about over $6,000 a month for janitor services for the courthouse, correct? So the 75, that's up to, so up to 75 annually. What, if you look on your breakdown sheet, I believe you have it, it's actually total per month, it's 60, or per year annually, it's 68, uh, 259. That additional up to 75, that has additional services added in there if we need them. So like there's an additional weekend if we needed additional services. Um, say, for instance, we have a grand opening coming up. If we wanted to use additional services for that and have the whole place, we would pay that amount. We also have on-call services. So our clientele that we deal with um, sometimes leaves behind different bodily fluids um, where we are at. So with that, we want to make sure that we have on-call so when they are not there that we can have someone clean it up um, at, at any time during that time. And that's a different price. So that up to amount isn't always going to be met. Okay. And then one other question. Yes. Do we have these janitorial services through all of our buildings in Lake Havasu? Like, like at our city hall? Can, do you know, can you, yeah, do you know what that Kinsen. is? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying Kinsen. to compare what that sure. looks like. Uh, Mayor, Councilman Berlin. Uh, sure, we, have, we, have, uh, we uh, approach it a little bit uh, differently with each building in each case. So in some cases, we do contract out for that service. And in some cases, we have uh, um, city employees that, uh, that uh, are on staff that provide that service. Um, in cases like uh, the uh, Aquatic Center in particular for, and uh, that Mike, uh, Mike Keene oversees, uh, we uh, there's a lot that has to take place in terms of the, the you know the locker rooms and and making sure that those are sanitary and and um, so it requires a little bit more of a um, hands-on routine um, that that you see less so at city hall where it's every every couple of days that we can that we can we can get by with a cleaning in, in those areas so um, there's also some confidentiality issues right so if we hire a a firm contract of service for employees that the city isn't vetting to come in and go through like admin admin offices or here in the police department, um, that's also a uh, consideration whether or not we contract out for that service or we hire employees uh, from uh, within the uh, organization. So each one is a case by case in terms of building and situation. And of course, all, the bottom line is, is, is always uh, top of mind. Okay, and I guess my last comment is, currently right now, these janitorial service that we have at the courthouse, that's part of our lease that we have at the county. So we don't pay, right? Currently, we're at the county, so we don't have to look at these type of fees because we're renting from them. Do we know what they charge for janitorial services at the county? Actually, they use Spruce Goose. This is the same company, and that building is equivalent to their size. So when I asked for their, it, they're going back to do their contract again, but when I asked for their contract, it is split because it also on the other side is the county facilities on the other side of the building. So they're only paying what's on their courthouse side and it's only a little under this, but it is the same company. We had multiple companies come out to and not all of them bid either. 
So they're about the same over there too? It, close, because they have to split it also with the other side of the building. But just for comparison, um, Mike Keene brought numbers. So for the Aquatic Center, they're looking about 9,657 square feet of cleaning, where we're at 25,229 square feet, and that's both for the first floor and the second floor. And, and that they, they daily come in? Yes. Okay. Thank Correct. you. And just as a public service announcement, a lot of people, if you don't use the court, might not know this, but our courts are open seven days a week, mm -hmm. uh, 365 days a year. So we have to have daily cleans and we have arraignments and, and other things that happened, as uh, Ms. Lowry mentioned, that might need a, a special clean, depending on whatever the circumstances um, that may occur. Any additional questions or comments from members of the council before we open the public hearing? All right, this is a public hearing. Would anyone like to address the city council on this item? Hi, Bonnie Toy. Just a quick question. How many people will be um, hired to clean the building? Uh, we're not hiring people, we're hiring a company, and the company right. will facilitate that. So are you making sure that they are being paid fairly for the work that they're doing? Because $78,000 for maybe two and a half people to work there 40 hours a week, um, 52 weeks at $14.85 an hour, that just doesn't seem correct. It seems like they're not being paid fairly. I just sure. Yeah, it's a contract for service. They don't work a full 40 hours on our project. They, they do. They come in daily, do their work. It may only take an hour. It may take two hours. And then they have other contracts that, that uh, they work as well. So then you're not going to have someone there time no they they'll come in do the contracted work and they'll they'll move on okay thanks mm -hmm. anyone else like to address the city council on this item seeing none we'll close the public hearing bring it back to council for discussion or possible motion mayor councilmember coke motion please I move to award number one a contract to advance janitorial services inc in the amount not to exceed $45,000 for daily and additional services as needed at the aquatic center for a 12 month term with the option to renew annually for four additional one year terms and two a contract to newbie services LLC DBA spruce goose janitorial in the amount not to exceed $75,000 for daily and additional services as needed at the municipal court facility for a 12-month term with the option to renew annually for four additional one-year terms and an additional one-time amount of $7,569 for post-construction janitorial services and authorize the city staff to execute exercise the option to annually renew with an annual CPI price adjustment and authorize the city manager to execute the agreements on behalf of the city. Second. We have a motion from Councilmember Koch, a second from Councilmember Moses. Is there any additional discussion? Seeing none, we're ready to vote. Motion carries six to one. Thank you. All right, item eight is our call to the public. This is an opportunity where citizens have to address the city council with items within the jurisdiction of Lake Havasu City. These would be items that were not on our agenda uh, this evening. Your time is limited to three minutes. Again, there's a light indicator box next to Ms. Williams. Green means you have time. Yellow means you have one minute remaining. And red means that your three minutes is up. 
Uh, you don't have to sign up to speak to call the public, but uh, same rules apply as our public hearings. Address the City Council, be respectful of each other. Uh, we had one person sign up, uh, Heidemann uh, Sergi. Would, do you have uh, some comments you'd like to make? Sergey, sorry. <clears throat> Good evening, Council, ladies and gentlemen, Mayor. Two weeks ago, I came to point out a flagrant breach of our city's zoning ordinances. As of March 1st, 2003, the um, residential property owners, after obtaining a transaction privilege tax license, a TPT, from the state of Arizona, and then filing a brief and simple application with our city's licensing department, um, will issue will be issued a short-term vacation rental permit for those owners and or agents of R1, R2 single-family residential properties. This gives these most often absentee owners and or agents the right to rent this one residential, at one time residential property as a C1 or C2 property, commercial income producing property. We're going from R1 to commercial. Now, if this does not frighten neighboring residential property owners, it should. Our city government may have breached its fiduciary obligation to this community by possibly allowing the zoning ordinances of our city to become corrupted and evaded especially those which are intended to prohibit the operation of an income-producing business on residential property. This without formal application and approval uh, for, of or for a zone variance. A zone variance involves several city departments, not just a licensing department, as we've seen here tonight. Therefore, I'm inviting today's News Herald newspaper to look into this but especially owners of R1 and R2 properties adversely impacted by these so-called vacation rental, short-term rentals, Airbnbs, Airbuds, and ask you to call, email, or write your specific council member or the mayor describing your concerns. One reason being that the Molay Reds system that's the, uh, supposed to be the complaint hotline, appears to be highly ineffectual with little confirming actions, if any, by enforcement. Please remember, these short-term renters, short-term renters, these airbuds who change almost every weekend are not snowbirds, holding hands and quietly watching the sunset over the lake. One last point to ponder. As of two weeks ago, there were over 1,200 short-term rentals, also known as Airbuds, Airbnbs, short-term rentals, less than 30 days. This results in over 3,600 adjacent rental property owners being put in jeopardy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for your comments. Would anyone else like to address the City Council during call to the public? Sorry, thanks. Hi. Bonnie Toy, I just wanted to mention real quick that um, I didn't ask a question during the call to the public on the Site 6 ramp thing, but I just wanted to make a suggestion on the timing of it that um, 
somehow it be done before the Christmas boat parade is in effect because, you know, or after the boat parade because all the people who use the Site 6 to launch for free will be affected and have to go pay for launching their boats elsewhere during the boat parade. Also, the D-backs won 4-2. Just want to put that out there. Sorry, you guys were longer than D-backs game today. 4-2. 4-2. Thank you. Hi. Pam Swenson, S-W-E-N-S-O-N. Um, I want to thank you all for the hard work that you do, um, because I know that it's not easy, but I know that each and every one of you really has the city at heart. Um, I don't always agree with all of you, or any of you, but that's my privilege too. Um, I am really disappointed in the way tonight went. I'm disappointed in the people that were here and could not control their emotions. They don't have the full city and what the city needs at their best interest. It was very self-serving on them. They're not here. You're dealing with the entire aspect of running the city and what is good and needed for the city. And um, if they really cared about the city as a whole, they would still be here. So it's very clear to me that the majority of the people that were here and complaining really were very self-serving. And I am disappointed that um, that is the way a lot of the people in this community have turned out to be. I am disappointed as a resident to find this out after living here for seven years. Um, and I just want better for this town. So I just had to say that. Thank you. My name is Emiliano Torres, and I wasn't going to speak, but after the last presenter, I have to stand up. The folks that came here, they had valid concerns. It was their neighborhood. To dismiss them because they didn't stay for a meeting after their issue was over and decided, not to their favor, but I heard them lead quietly, and I didn't, yes, Mr. Lang, they did show some respect, but on the whole, I think they deserve credit for being here. They do represent a lot of the community. So I think the characterization that they were not some of our best residents, I take exception to that. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to address the city council during call to the public? I'm still here. I want to thank those that voted no. All we ask is that you guys follow the guidelines of, all, of everybody else in this town. People, people asked of areas for five feet, you said no. Somebody wants to add an extra foot on their garage, you said no. You just gave these guys a monstrosity in the middle of our town. I'm not looking forward to seeing cars parked on McCulloch. I'm assuming that the lot next door, that's the business lot, they're going to have to put up signs for no parking because there won't be enough room for all the cars that are going to be there. I hope that the police department doesn't have to keep going out there for problems. So, yeah, some of us are here. 
And sir, what was your name again? Russ Burroughs. Thank you. We just need it for the record during the section. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. Yes. Would anyone else like to address the city council during call to the public? All right. Seeing now, we'll close the call to the public. Item nine is our current events. Are there any council committee reports? Uh, Vice Mayor Lane? Yeah, it's, it's not really a council committee report, <clears throat> but if I may just take a moment. Um, and I want to give a shout out to um, our Lake Havasu Firefighters uh, Charities. Uh, this last weekend, I had the opportunity to work with them uh, when they put on a pumpkin uh, patch for the local community, which I thought was really nice. Um, but at the end of that, I also had an opportunity to go work with some of our um, groups that put on a trunk or treat for people that had um, cognitive and um, mobility issues. And um, the Firefighters Association took all the leftover pumpkins and donated them to those people with special needs so that they could all have pumpkins. And so I thought that was pretty cool. So I just want to give a shout out to the Lake Havasu Firefighters Charities and uh, the great work they're doing here in our community. So thank you. Are there any other council committee reports? All right, item 10, our future meetings. Our next meeting will be Tuesday, November 14th, 2023 at 5.30 p.m. It will be a regular meeting. And then on Tuesday, November 28th, 2023 at 5.30 p.m., we will also have a regular meeting. Item 11, are there any future discussion items? Item 12, entertain a motion to adjourn. All right, we are adjourned. Thanks for being here. Be kind. We'll see you next time.